Mobile J, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Welcome to Cali. Yeah, I appreciate the invite. How was the flight? Flight was great. Showed up, it was raining, but other than that, flight was great. Had a uh, stop in Salt Lake City. First time here, man. It's beautiful. No flight delays? Nope, no flight delays at all. Everything on time. Dude, it seems like right now, flights are like three to four times more expensive than they were with terrible customer service. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> expensive to get here. So, Roach, thanks for coming out, man. What up? What up? How's everyone doing? Good. 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 I know you're slammed right now. So when I called you yesterday and sprung this on you, you were probably like, "You asked me if I wanted to do a podcast, and I asked you, do you want me to do the podcast?'" <laughs> <laughs> now I appreciate you being here. I know you got a lot on your plate. Yeah, course, thank bro. you. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Chris Duran. How's it going? The man. The myth. Ha. Huh. Legend. The legend sitting to my right. Why don't you? Uh, you know, we we're we're we got these guys that are pretty well known on IG, but Chris, you you know, you're kind of behind the scenes. I don't even think you have an IG. Not that anybody knows of. Yeah. <laughs> so why why don't you introduce yourself and uh, give us your background? Okay. Um, we did the last podcast here, so I not on Instagram, as you know. I formulate nutrients for Athena. You know, we said here I help work with the manufacturing team, get everything going. Um, my background's in plant agriculture. Worked at UC Davis for 13 years, managing research greenhouses there, formulating nutrients for research projects, um, all the while working with cannabis growers and formulating nutrients for them too. So my history kind of goes back through that, um, kind of following up through the ages. Um, it's much, much smaller grower than all of you guys are these days. Um, but you still have a garden. I do not right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you guys I, keep me entirely too busy to have. Yeah, there's no way you can have a garden. Right <laughs> Absolutely now. not. With yeah. how much biz, business uh, Athena is no. throwing at that manufacturing facility, you are tapped. Yeah, yeah. Well, partners, you know. Yeah, we got, we got other people here now that can give me all the info I need. Yeah. I think uh, I want to start this one off, and I want to talk about before we start with the questions. I want to talk about <clears throat> why we do these podcasts, and. You know, my background, I started, I grew my first plant when I was like 15, 16, and you know, it was next under a CFL next to my bed in a drawer. I never really flowered anything, just pretty much vegged, yep. you know, <laughs> until I was like 20 and moved out of the house. And, uh, you know, 19, I think I was like 19, I moved out of the house and, you know, I shopped at a local hydro store called Grunder Family in Riverside off uh, Magnolia. And I go in there to, to, to get information and you know i'm a young kid started from nothing rented a house dropped all this money on took out a personal loan through through the local credit union then you know got some credit cards bought a bunch of equipment and i i, t I moved out of the house to grow cannabis you know that's that was my intention and um you know i got in severe credit card debt and in debt in general just because I was taking advice from the local hydro store. And I'm not saying all hydro stores give bad advice. So there's a lot of hydro stores out there that give really good advice. And there's a lot of stuff that you read online that gives really great advice as well. But for me, I think we're so passionate about doing these podcasts and then working on the Athena platform on our Instagram just because our personal past experiences that we've had with running different medias, different nutrient lines. And when, when you go through, you know, moving out of your house at a young age, p 
piling up credit card debt and having failure after failure after failure because of the advice that you're taking from the local hydro store or something that you're reading online that might not be true. Your friend's uncle. Yeah, yeah. you know. He grew a lot of weed. Yeah. <laughs> you you become extremely extremely passionate about sharing what works for you. Because you know, I, or what I, doesn't work? Yeah, exactly. Or what yeah. doesn't work? It goes both ways. But you got to have to be careful with sharing what doesn't work, which is why we bring people like you hey, on. And and what doesn't work for one person might work for somebody else in their scenario. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's why we do this. You know, at the age of twenty, you know, starting off like you know that much in credit card debt. By the time I was twenty-two, I had a filed BK, and um, filed BK started all over from fresh, you know, got, got, uh, the foundation back under me, opened a hydro store myself and really learned how to grow from there. And then when we developed the Athena two part formula and we were developing that with, you know, help with Chris and, and his formulations, you have two bags of, you know, you know, salt and you're like, Whoa, like you can really grow some fire. If you know what you're doing, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So. you don't need to have all these crazy bottles, and I, you know, we've ran it all. Crazy, <laughs> crazy parts. Like I do not miss those days at all. <laughs> Twenty injector bank on the wall. Yeah, no, no. This was hand mixed, like oh in God. a tank. You That's know, you, you got you got like twenty five foot fucking table with bottles across the whole thing, bro. <laughs> you know keeping track of that's real fun isn't it some people still run it i know i know i I want to go back to your your hydro store thing do you guys remember the first hydro store you went to Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing for me to overcome is not having uh you know somebody to teach me what to do and going to the hydro store was intimidating as hell you know going there not knowing any information um so for new growers now to be able to hop on ig and see athena and have you know irrigation strategies and ecs and facility advisors be able to tell you what to do instead of you just find the information that was the biggest thing for me to overcome personally was just finding the information finding the, the real information mm-hmm. you know i remember you know you and i have had like a little bromantic phone relationship for what like three two years uh you hit me up the end of 2020 yeah so, and you were still using a bunch of different, you know, additives mm-hmm. and uh, larger pots and a lot of different, you know, ways. And you still grew fire weed. I mean, you were growing fire. Oh, yeah, man. It's not about, you know, the crazy facility and you have to have rock wool and drip. Um, just, you know, showing attention to the plant and just knowing how to land it safely. I mean, just getting the appropriate size pot, you know, feeding it appropriately you know, the, the right drybacks and, uh, but I've done everything, you know, rock wool irrigation. Um, but I still am partial to the hand feed. It's just, um, something I can't get away from. Yeah. Oh, you're still hand feeding. I am not, but we'd like to. So even like the first three weeks of flour, we like to hand feed. So each, you know, pot's getting a proper dryback. Yeah. It's attention. How many gallon pots are there? So right now we went from fives. Originally we we're all in fives, but now we're in twos. Got it. So we're, Got um, it. cool. yeah, you're getting twos and, but we like to hand water them in the first three weeks. So yeah. they get the proper dryback and then, you know, our vegetative. Yeah. Cause everything drinks different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Is your veg on drippers? No. Do it. So, well, a lot of people love my veg. And It'll a, help that first yeah. three weeks. I get a ton of questions about my veg. Work. We hand water it three times a day and it's just lush. Yeah. You know, we get such nice plants on the blended and uh, 
just can't get away from it. Yeah. What yeah. works works. Why? Yeah, if it, it ain't broke, yeah. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And we're a total. We're forty later. So yeah. you know what I mean. Fifteen light veg. We don't. You know. We like being in there, and I have a guy that works with me, so he takes care of it. Yeah. Works for us. So. Yeah, I think you you probably got a really good team if you're working with that hand watering. It's it's an art. Yeah, you become one with the garden yeah. when you're hand watering it. Yeah. Like it's way different. Yeah, you know? it's an art. It, it's nice. You see everything. You get to see every single plant individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're in the country too, so we don't have internet, like a good internet connection. Yep. So we lose, you know, I'm running GrowLink right now. So we lose our connection all the time and I can't make, you know, adjustments. So yeah. even we still might be in there hand watering off the doser, you know, got just it. to make up for things. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for seeing each plant every day. Yeah. You know, and that, picking each plant up every yeah, day. It's, yeah. It's intense. Well, you, you spot the pest sooner, you spot yeah. disease sooner, yeah, you know, and, and you just, there's a different, it is, it's a little bit of an art though. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, just having the right size root zone, the right pots where you're watering once a day and you're not in there three times a day, you know, getting that right dry bag. It's sometimes it can be tough. Oh, yeah. So uh, you called me, well, last week. A couple weeks ago, yeah, we yeah, talked. A couple weeks ago, and you're asking me, you know, some information you've been hearing on the street about, you know, cleanse, mm-hmm. burning terps, or, you sure. know, all these different things. And then some other questions, too, that mm-hmm. that uh, that you had. And I was like, I mean, you're, you're asking me these questions. I'm like, look, I just know from my experience, I, I don't have this problem that, that you're hearing mm-hmm. on the street. I was like, I mean, are you having this problem? Absolutely not. Well, the main thing I called you about, we talked about the balance. Yeah. You know, I was using a high rate of balance. I'm on well water. Yeah. So after my bloom goes through, we tank our, you know, pH down to like 3.5. And then we're taking 12 mils of balance. Yeah. I called you and I was telling you how it kind of was affecting my stack. Yeah. Paired with my gen steer. You know, I wasn't really getting much vertical stretching and the stack was definitely different than I was used to. Yeah. But then that turned into, you know, what you've been hearing on the street about cleanse Mm -hmm. and this and that. And the thing is, I just know from my experience that what what I'm, I don't know technical. So what what's beautiful about what we try to do is we try to bring people like Chris Duran mm-hmm. together with Roach at Jungle Boys. I'm oh, not technical either. No. No, no, no. we just know. <laughs> like, you know, but we have the technical guy. You need both of these things. Yeah. You have to have yeah, both. You do. You have to have both. Mm-hmm. You got a guy that's sitting right next to you that runs over 4,000 lights. Crazy. And grows serious fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? With a team you know, yeah, no. large team, right? Yeah, no, insane team. Yeah, a know. savage team, right? But, and then you have Chris Duran, UC Davis, um, formulating for genetic expression and doing all these trial runs for, you know, 15 years. And so when you're asking me, you know, does Clins burn Terps? Doesn't burn mine, but you know what? Let's let's ask Chris. Yeah, there's a lot of people right now that are cutting Clins out after like day 35, because they think it's going to zap their terps. And, you know, there's other companies that put misinformation out there too to, you know, throw shade at Athena or whatever. But it's definitely been a thing, you know, when I do these workshops with Dylan or Max and we go talk to the people, that's one of their main concerns is what is their terps going to be like with using cleanse? Chris, what, why is, what, first of all, why is cleanse important in the program and why do we, why do we sell it with Athena? Yeah, I, I kind of had a little rant yesterday with you about this, so I think I'll, I'll kind of Just start <laughs> try <off. laughs> to go into this whole thing. You know, I, it's about controlled environment agriculture. It's what we're doing here, right? You're not letting anything in your room go to chance. Nothing's happening. You're not just, you know, throwing a dart at the board. You're in control of what's going on. Yeah, you're minimizing variables. Yeah, you're, you're in your room hand-watering. You know what's going on. You know, you're controlling your ag, you're controlling your ag. Um, and we talk about, you know, we're using synthetics here, and a lot of this, the 
sterile root zone comes up a lot and i it's kind of i think a, a little bit of a mischaracterization i think we should say we have a controlled root zone because there's there's certainly life in there obviously your plant is living in that that root zone you know it's not there's not nothing in there if you were to go take a plate and put it into a lab it would be full of things that are still alive um, but you're able to control the root zone with something like cleanse so what you're doing is you're getting rid of biofilms you're getting rid of you know any sort of sites where you could potentially have anaerobic zones um, disease proliferation and things that are going to stop you from being able to control your root zone so we're, we're all about controlled agriculture controlled root zone controlled environment controlled pruning you want to control your root zone so when somebody says hey I want to cut out this product that that is helping me control my root zone. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like you're trying to control chaos, and that might work for some people. But I would guess that for the chance that you might have a little bit of gain there, the likelihood of catastrophe goes up so much that it seems like it's a bad decision. There's so many other things that I would work on modifying before giving up on my root zone and just saying, "Hey, hail Mary to the to the whatever's living in my root zone," and you know. Who cares if I get this pythium outbreak? Who cares if I get, you know, some sort of root zone problem or massive biofilms and fungus gnats go into town? Like, why would you want that? You can yeah. control all of these other things. You can mess your humidity, light intensity, light quality, you know, your pruning strategies. All of those things are going to affect your terpene output. You know, terpenes are primarily genetic. Um, and then you modify the environment to, to get different expression. I don't know that disease is the best first stress that I would be like, you know what? I'm going to stress it with disease. How do you have just a little bit of disease? Hmm. Like, that's the question that always comes up. I don't know how you have a little bit of disease or just enough to maybe help stress the plant that it's going to be doing better. Like disease steering. Right. Is that, yeah. that's not even a thing at this point. You know, I don't, and, and who's going to be able to measure that? We can measure everything else that's going on in the root zone. You know, you're doing it the old fashioned way. You're, you're grabbing a pot, you're feeling a pot, you're sticking your finger in there and feeling for moisture content. You're doing it with moisture content meters and measuring your EC and your output. How do you, who's in there with a real-time probe measuring, you know, load of colony forming units? Who's doing that? <laughs> yeah. And how could you possibly do that effectively? No one's taking platelets off every room every week. No. Yeah. Who, and, and why should you? I don't think that's what's actually mm -hmm. driving these terpene mm -hmm. levels. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys come up with creative irrigation strategies that work, you know, phenomenally. Why, why would that be taken out of the equation potentially and be like, oh, let's just throw it to disease? You know, yeah, you could have a plant that has awesome terpenes and then it's right before it dies. And so then your plant dies six weeks into flower. And where do you go from there? Yeah. Roach, what are you seeing with cleanse, you know, on this? What, what, what Mobile J has been hearing on the streets? How, how is Jungle Boys using cleanse right now? I mean, we were on one to two MLs for veg all the way through till the end of flower. And then we actually bump it up to 10 mils. Um, for the feedings, like right when we go to like a one to a one and a half EC for our flush program, uh, just from there. 10 mLs weigh me of cleanse with two weeks, two weeks before harvest or, um, no, nah, it's usually about like a week. Okay. So a week yeah, before a week, harvest. A week to ten, yeah. I guess like seven to 14 days. Depending. So you're doing complete opposite of what some of the other guys are doing mm -hmm. on the 35 day. Going more at yeah. the end. Yeah. Why, why is that? What, what do you just because it's you know that that root zone just gets older, right? And it and and you just are kind of flushing everything out at that point, right? Anyway, if there are any dead roots in there, which there shouldn't be, but if there is anything in there, like you said, you can kind of control it, kind of yeah. keep it at bay with with a higher dosage, yeah. right? Dead roots happen. Yeah, I mean the plant's senescing; <clears throat> its mm -hmm. life is coming to an end. There's going to be some sure. some root root decay, and you're yeah, fighting. That, you're basically just trying to. <clears throat> keep that pressure and control the environment as best as possible till you're done yeah 
and we've done tests where we just keep it at one to two mls for the whole run um we see better results raising it towards the end what do you see better results with um wider roots and then just a healthier root zone like some, like some of those recent water samples that we took over there was on a one to two ml the whole time instead of bumping it up to ten. Yeah. What's your personal experience uh, with cleanse? I haven't had anything negative to say about cleanse. I've tried to cut it out last round, um, didn't see a difference, but I'm running all the way, and we harvest actually when I get back, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, because I've always seen, you know, watch the Jungle Boys. Um, I've insane flush with 10 mils of cleanse. And then to hear that, you know, so it's good to come on here and tell people, you know, to keep your stuff clean, to keep cleanse incorporated in the program the whole way. Do you think it's a big, big deal that they stop using it day 35? I mean, will, will they see, just since they're coming to the end of the cycle, like, you know, I mean, it's... I think it's still a risk. Yeah, it's a risk do for pathogens. Want, yeah, how, do you, how would flip it? I would use it at the end, <laughs> if anything. Yeah, because you know? yeah, like, it's flushing everything like, out. Yeah, you'd yeah. use it at the end, not that, like not mm-hmm. like not use it at the end. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The plants yeah. heavily stressed at that point. You know, it cell division's low. It's not. It's not really any vegetative state. The plant's dying. You wanna you wanna allow it to die naturally, basically at that point. You don't yeah. want the root zone to just rot out on you before you have a chance to deal with it. Yeah. What about what about organic inputs? I know we've gone over this in the past, but. You know, you were a big organic input guy. Used to when we were hand feeding, yeah. We would add organics. We would add, you know, Power SI, m- microbes, mammoth pea, you know, um, photosynthesis plus, you know, stuff like that. Make the res dirty. What What are you doing now? Now it's just straight Athena. It's just clean. Yeah, ProLine for flower, and we're using blended for veg. How So how's your quality been since you were using organic inputs to now? Have you seen a difference in quality? Much cleaner. Just or controlled, no leaf tip burn, uh, brighter sheen on the leaves. Like you were talking about, you've always said it's a balanced program. You know, so I'm able to feed that higher EC and they take it and they don't burn at all, even with heavy drybacks. So, um, you know, last round we did a little side-by-side, you know, in the uh, Athena Crushed. For us, it did 2.7 alike compared to, you know, our GH recipe, not doing nearly as much, you know, around two. So then we made the switch to full ProLine and uh, hooked up to a doser system and running with it. What about finish? <clears throat> what about finished product? Have you seen uh, Have you seen the same quality, increased quality, or any degradation in quality? Well, I mean, with my strains, I've have them pretty dialed in, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, no degradation of of quality on Athena product at all. I mean, I see a lot of packs, um, you know, with Dylan and max and you know brokers and they all run in athena and it's it's crazy um craft actually hit me up and he's running athena four part now and he said his guy you know he, they got the best thing smoking on the streets right now it's all athena yeah you know won the Zot olympics out there straight athena you know with cleanse incorporated so there's no you know it's very high quality flower and it's just so balanced for us where you know instead of using the 10 bottles now we're using <laughs> 17 you know, four, no. four. <laughs> <laughs> depends on which 17 you yeah, so bad what talk uh, about fucking dirty res yeah, yeah. <laughs> jesus mm-hmm. open-ended octobubblers rip all the guts out open-ended sprinklers three horsepower a pump behind it two horsepower a pump just behind keep it. dumping sugar in there and growing stuff <laughs> yeah. it's a petri dish growing stuff like, yeah, it's a petri sure. dish chris on on the uh on the turb side, on the quality side, I mean, Mobile J just, you know, he's taking out everything. He's not adding any organic inputs and he's just using the two part pro line for the, with the foundation. 
why is he seeing, you know, same turp production or same quality coming out with a two part without adding all those inputs? Plants are getting everything they need, mm-hmm. you know, from a mineral standpoint, you know, that's what they need. And if the environmental conditions are the same, you're stressing the plants the same, I would expect to see the same output, you know, genetic expressions based on a lot of this environment. And if you're doing the same stuff there, why would you see anything different? Most of these organic yep. inputs just have to be broken down into the same elements that the plant's going to absorb. Hmm. So you're adding organics, but you're adding a lot of stuff the plant's never going to use. And I think part of, like you were saying, you get some late leaf tip burn, things like those. A lot of the organic inputs have higher ammonium content, and that's going to give you a little bit of a different feel to the plant. Uh, and they're just not as balanced. And sometimes you can't get the nutrients to be released and control that root zone at the same rate. As of right now, Chris, do you know of any product that increases turp production? I, I would say most balanced fertilizers are going to give the plant the opportunity to produce the terpenes that are available to it. Um, you know, I was digging in a little bit. There's not tons of research. Obviously, this is a newer industry, so you're not finding a lot of information out there about you know good controlled studies for terpene production. Um, there was a good one that was done on CBD plants, and they did one, and, and they found... And they were just looking at, and I believe it was a pinene terpene, and they they cut water or increased the amount of water that was going to these crops, and half of the plants increased the production, and half of them decreased production. So of course, right? Fucking weed, right? And that and, you know, and that's and it's just genetic expression. Not every strain is going to do the same. Yeah. So it's really just genetic expression. I mean, yeah, and I don't think that you can say you know same deal. It's like if just because you stress this plant in this one way doesn't mean you're always going to get the same response. You know, if you have different genetics, different stress is going to give you a different response. So, I mean, you're never going to turn something that's, you know, heavy limiting over to like a mercy producing plant. They're going to stay the same. The profile is generally the same. You're going to get some expression within that based on how you're stressing the plant and what your genetics are. But it was, you know, it's telling when you see these things like half do one thing and half do the other. So that's where experimentation comes into it. What what environmental factors are you going to change? Yeah. What about so mineral input ratios? You know, for turp production or any production at all, that's where ratios is all where it's at, and that's why we have a two part because the ratios are what we found out work the best. Yeah, they work the best, and you can can control them. You know, after the afterward in a way that you would want to control them. So we kind of split up where calcium and nitrogen are coming from. Uh, during bloom and where your potassium and your your phosphorus are coming from and your magnesium and your sulfur you know and those are i know we had kind of you'd ask some questions along these lines and it's i know we're going to get into this a little bit later but you know it allows the the grower to make a little bit of small changes to that that mineral composition um and you know the big one's going to be just keeping the nitrogen low heading through flower you know i think that's that's really a lot of the driving thing for high potency you know high thc content you know what you're stamping on the labels and i think everybody here knows that um and this kind of gives you that option you can you can change that a little bit at the end if you need to yeah what about i've heard some stuff about chelated nutrients create more terps or some what are chelated nutrients chelated nutrients yeah sorry um they're just they're they're micronutrients that are in a bioavailable form so you know you can throw a a nail into your solution right an iron nail into your solution but it's going to form rust it's not going to be available to your plant uh, what this does is it stops these heavy metals, metals in general, from being oxidized and precipitating and falling out of your reservoir. So they're just floating around, ready to go available for the plant. Um, there's multiple chelators that people use. Most of them, especially in the, the pHs that we're all running, they're all readily available for plants. 
So you can, you can pick and choose the ones you want, really. If you start getting out into a field soil application, there's probably some that are more ideal than others. Um, but we're talking like actual field soil, like planting into the earth, not a pot outside. Are our nutrients chelated? Yeah. Yeah. Micronutrients are chelated. I mean, pretty much every nutrient line is chelated, right? I mean, if it's salt. Yeah. Yeah. If they have any idea at all what they're doing. And I think every, all, all the big players <laughs> are doing that. So if you find a line that doesn't have, you know, especially your iron, if you find one, no one's have, advertising non chelated <laughs> nutrients, get, <laughs> get them while we got them. Right. You know, like, <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I know we're not beating down the door as our marketing campaign. Like, Hey, we got chelated micronutrients. Yeah. It's kind of obvious. <laughs> um, so what were you? What was your experience, Mobile J? What was your experience with balance? I mean, that's that's really why we're here. That's how the phone yeah. call started. <clears throat> yeah, just through my doser system on our water. You know, our pH is starting off at six, and after we add our bloom, it's tanking to like three, three point five, and it's just taking me twelve mils to get it up there. Uh, plants are healthy, but like I said, it just made the stretch, you know, awkward, a little bit different. Um, just didn't get that vertical stack like I'm used to. So then I switched to pH up and burned some of my leaves on my plants, you know, because I was using four mils per. So I went back to the balance and running it. Um, but, you know, it's just a high rate. I just didn't feel comfortable running that high, you know. What do you think about using the balance at that 12 mLs per gallon? It, it is a little high. You know, I think, are you using your actual city water? Or your well water. well water, yeah. Really acidic well water. Through RO, yeah. Yeah, it's your RO in it first. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, have you ever tried back blending any of it? I mean, I, we haven't really talked about this, but like using some of that, how bad is the quality of your well water? It seems to be clean. Like when we use blended, everything's, you know, it's easy for our pH. It's not, you know, low. It's not taking us a bunch of balance to get up there. Um, but I haven't tested our water before. Yeah, just using it with the well water. I would... I, I would try that, honestly, just to see what it is. If you know the mineral content of your water, um, you know, there's lots of people that do use the well water just directly, but normally for them, it's they're running it's seven and a half, you know, eight pH, so they kind of get pushed in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yours is a little bit acidic, but might still have some buffering capacity. Well, even I have friends in the city that are running eight to 10, you know, mils of balance. Yeah. So we were all just, you know, wondering if that potassium silicate is appropriate to be feeding in flower that late. You know? Yeah, I wouldn't. If you're seeing the right plant structure, you're not going to really come up with much. I think what what can happen more likely than not is there's only so many silicates that can be in solution anyhow. Is you're probably going to actually just get some buildup on your irrigation system. But you guys are hand watering, so you're not seeing it. So you're probably seeing some inside the pots. We're we're uh, running through drip irrigation right now. We used to okay. hand water. Okay. So, so you're, you're you're probably you might see some of it building up a little bit on some of the drippers. Not too bad. Not at all. Cleanse doing its job. Yeah. Um, two mils yeah so i wouldn't be too worried about running it in flower you know okay if you think about a a plant that spent its life growing outside you know when old days growing like actual outdoors plants are growing and living in in silicates all the time yeah Yeah, a ton of it i mean that's the the world they live in and Mm -hmm. depending on what you're feeding them you're releasing more silicates from that soil so plants are accustomed to having it throughout their whole life you're not seeing anything morphologically change with the plant I, i wouldn't see any actually any downside to it some of those silicates are probably coming out of, of solution and just not being available to the plant. So, what, so you, what you're saying is mix some reverse osmosis water with tap water. Yeah. For most people, if they find that they're, they're having trouble keeping their EC or their pH up, most people have at least in our neck of the woods, you're a little bit different with your well. You got a pretty mm-hmm. low pH. Um, most people can use their well water and actually get a little bit of calcium out of it. Um, a little bit of magnesium out of it, and it'll actually keep their pH up a little bit. And it has some carbonates in it to help buffer 
the pH a little bit. And so if you if you're running water, yours probably doesn't, unfortunately. So you're really just running like <laughs> on the hard end of things here. What's um, a normal starting pH for RO water? Is well, it around seven. It's seven. seven. Yeah, it's generally around seven. But RO water doesn't really affect the pH. There's nothing in it to buffer it. So even you know, if you add one drop of any pH adjuster, it's going to drive the pH dramatically, unless it's a buffered a buffered system. So there's just nothing in there to cut it back. City water or most well waters have uh, carbonates in them, bicarbonates, and those are level of alkalinity, and that basically slows down the change of the pH. But with RO water, you don't get any of that. So when you add an acidic fertilizer you're going to drop the pH pretty fast. Okay. So, but, and you've never tried using any of your well water? No. To, I, just get some out of the tap once. And I don't know, what's your EC coming out of your well? I think it's high. It's okay. like 400 ppm. Okay. 300. Depending on what's in there, it probably isn't actually that awful. You know, a lot of 300 times... 300 is not bad. Yeah. We got silly. Dude, if we don't get a lot of rain here in LA, we'll see 650. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, yeah. I yeah. thought 400 was high. Um, oh, there's, no, there's, there's awful water. Yeah, there's yeah. awful water. 650, 700, 800. Oh, we used to get yeah. water coming out of the ground. Um, when I was at UC Davis, we'd get EC2, you know, close to 1,000 ppm coming out. Wow. Oh, yeah. And we are owe the hell out of that. That's and illegal. I don't drink a lot of it. Um, on, the, on the golf courses up there, they actually have uh, warnings that the water has high nitrate levels. There's so much ag up there that like they recommend children under five not drink the, the water fountain water at the golf course. <laughs> like, I'll just pass. Wow. <laughs> you guys are shaking your head. Welcome to ag world. Yeah. So I, you know... If yours is only there, it might still be okay. I would recommend just getting a water analysis done. You okay. you know, it's pretty it's easy. easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you send it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's fast. You send them a liter of water, they'll get you quick results. There's a good chance that most of what's in your water is calcium, magnesium, probably a little bit of sodium, chloride, and sulfates, like everybody else. What you're really looking for is heavy metals. And if they're not there, I'd try mixing up a batch real quick, just mix a couple gallons, you know, pull out a mm-hmm. hand hand dilution and see where you end up. Okay. Roach, you've also been working on Balance Pro. Yep, yep. Working on like a dissolvable pH adjust. Um, yeah. How's it going? What do you do? You like it better? Yeah, I do. It's easy. One pound per gallon. Mix it in. Um, the main reason we were looking at doing it was because the Venturi setup on all the Netaflexes, they're just so prone to clogging. Yeah. With that. Uh, potassium hydroxide Um, well even with potassium hydroxide i just thought potassium silicate but hydroxide too the balance yeah and potassium hydroxide too wow yeah okay yeah i thought it was i thought it was okay we've been recommending people to you know use advanced (laughs) nutrients ph ups because we don't really have one yeah yeah no we were we were using it for a bit and i'm like i don't want to use this shit no more (laughs) you know yeah so but it's pro baby Balance Pro is doing good. Yeah, it's good. Not it's good. the Venturi's are clean. Yeah, I mean we're getting like a few more weeks than we would on the hydroxide. I mean those Venturi's are just so prone to clogging, so you're gonna have to clean them. You know. Yeah. It's just like part of a monthly maintenance thing. You know. Yeah. Are you seeing uh, cleaner drip? You know, the drip system, cleaner irrigation with the Balance Pro. No. No. Same. No. Same shit. Same I'm shit. not seeing a dirtier one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is important. Yeah, right? you shouldn't. You're, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't see anything dirtier at that yeah, pH. There's no, it's the same. Yeah. yeah, tests are coming back. Yeah, everything's good. I know there was some initial pushback to trialing this product from AgWorld <laughs> because they're used to higher high yeast or high pH irrigation water. Yeah, um, but it's never going to be a problem with what you're working with for uh, yeah. hydro. Well, especially you want to run like a three and a half or a four UC. Like you know, you're going to start using a ton of 
ton of the other shit. So yeah, Chris, what is Balance Pro? Uh, potassium carbonate. Yep. Yeah. And and to, how did that that won't have any effect that potassium silicate will that because they as both act clogging. as a, kind of a buffer and a and a pH up right yeah but you won't be getting the super stack you know with the Balance Pro over the Balance. I uh, I would still try to find a way to get some silicates into the system you know if you're not going to be running any of the balance so I there's some some other strategies that we I kind of want to discuss with you guys I think in the future about using the two of those in tandem because there's some opportunity there for making them both work together in one stock tank or yeah oh wow they're compatible whoa yeah. okay but before we go that deep we're gonna have to try some stuff out I know you're getting excited over there yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if it'll work with the Netflix because you're still putting potassium I, we're silicon g- we're gonna have to see oh that's why yeah yep, there you go yeah. What about foiler feeding with a silicate if you're using Balance Pro? You think you'll get the same effect and benefits of silicates? I would probably go with like a silicic acid product for foliar. Silicic? Yeah. Not not potassium silicate. I wouldn't. Yeah. It's going to polymerize cuz you're going to want to get the you're going to want to get the pH where it needs to be and then you're just not going to actually get as much of an effect. So I I'm I'm a bigger fan of silicates in the root zone silicic for their foliars. There's been some talk. Could silicates cause black ash in finished product when smoking? No more than any other element that the plant's assimilating. I mean, the plant's full of of minerals, you know. Um, There's a lot of work. I'm sure this is going to be a heated topic after this conversation. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a fun one. Um, I'm personally of the belief that it's how you dry and cure your product. Most of what you're getting for crappy smoke is chlorophyll. You know, you can dry, you can dry butt out in a day if you want to and go smoke it. It's going to taste like alfalfa. You know, it's awful. Um, it's, it's all about letting the chlorophyll degrade, decompose and getting that out of the plant. And I mean, that's like, you know, you can grow the best weed ever, but if you cure it wrong, you just ruin like the whole fucked. thing. Yeah, yeah. You ruined it all. Yeah. So, you know, that being said, there's people that run three C through their whole crop to the last day and they're growing absolute fire. So, you know, ash quality, I, I don't know that it matters much on smoke quality. Um, and then if you look at basically what the predominant minerals are, that's going to tell you whether you got white or black ash. Uh, the tobacco industry has done a lot of work on this, and you can go look up, and everybody's free to go look it all up. Um, they used to add different minerals to their tobacco products just to make the ash change color. Like ammonia and shit, you know? Yeah, and they'd add, so like certain... And bleach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Literally. Yeah. I yeah. mean, sure, why the hell not, yeah. you know? Yeah. So... You know, there's there's work that's out there that's been done, and you know how you get certain ashes, and it has to do with which minerals are left behind and their oxides. So, I, are you going to get specifically black ash from silica? Most likely, no. People have been smoking weed that was grown, you know, in the ground in the earth forever, and it was what people used to say. Oh, it used to be the taste so much better, right? Well, that would have been high in silicates. So, is it was it that, or was it that they cured the cured their product properly? Perfect answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a cure thing entirely. I agree sure. with that. Yeah. I think you could pull a bud out early and dry or just dry it completely different. You'd get black ash. Yeah. And then you'd take it proper, slow cure, slow dry, and it would probably have white ash. We should test that. Yeah, we It'd should. be easy. Yeah. It'd be easy. Yeah, just te- test it uh, when you're over there. Yeah, we'll like put a just, bud out and dry it fast in a day or two you know like ugh. leave it in the sun no that's gonna taste you know it's gonna taste awful awful, awful. be black ash yes yeah, so you're gonna smoke it ah, yeah yeah thanks <laughs> yeah thanks a lot yeah is is 
does cutting nitrogen out at the end of the cycle have anything to do with white ash Uh, same answer Um, there's other reasons to cut out nitrogen towards the end of the cycle you know that's all for thc concentration you know cannabinoid production that's that's what you're shooting for here right psychoactive compounds um less nitrogen at the end definitely is is correlated with an increase in thc concentration like period i mean you should be doing that anyway yeah so yeah all right moving on to blended and pro line what makes a nutrient line more stable and cleaner than others ingredients formulation and and processing you know you kind of got to select all the right stuff in the beginning you know you don't want to get a bunch of junk and and put it in into a bottle or into a bag um and then especially for something like the blended line you know a lot of work goes into the actual process of making it into that bottle and stable and getting it out to people so there's there's a list of things that we do to get it there and have it actually be ready for all the growers um you know and those are some of the differences between blended and pro you know pro is you're not going through all that process so it's separated in a different way makes it easy for you guys to put into a tank dissolve off um but if you were to bottle that up it's not going to be stable in the same way as the blended line is so you can go ahead and do it it's just gonna you'll open it up and there's gonna be you know things that were growing in there probably so we, we put a lot of work into having nice stable product for you guys on uh roach what are some tips that you can give a new grower using blended line follow the program i mean it's easy you know literally just follow the program if you're running an unfamiliar strain and if you're a new grower pretty much everything's on familiar strain just reduce your variables and then just take a ton of notes it's the only way you know you're going to really see what does what right i mean unless you're a genius and you remember every single thing you do every minute of the day which is you know it's impossible for me uh you need to write notes you need to have data even if it's just scratched on a calendar somewhere, you know, this is what happened when I did this, you know, and then you can learn from that. I know back in the day when I was first starting uh, with Jungle Boys, like a long time ago, I had binders and binders and binders and binders of just fucking shit, you know, tests yeah. and yeah. strains and what they do. And yeah, some of the stretch. best growers I always see writing things down. You I have to. Ask. Yeah. I have yeah. to. I have yeah. to. It's the only hey, way you I should. Like, I remember stuff like that. You yeah, know? you should. Yeah, I, I I, totally agree with that answer. Follow the program to start with. It was it was developed Minimize your variables. to be simple. That's why it's a two-part AB program in veg, two-part AP program going into flour, and then some additives to, to kind of get the, the different ratios where you want them for your variety stick with it don't, follow the program don't go crazy yet and, and, like wait and focus on the other shit yeah yeah because it's not all nutrients you yeah. know like it, like that's the start of it right that's yeah. the start if you keep that consistent and clean and and, and and maintain that work on your climate work on your pruning techniques work on your irrigation strategy that that's all information that we've put out and if you start there you're gonna be way ahead yeah then if you listen yeah. To your friend's uncle or the dude at some <laughs> random hydro store that didn't really know what he was talking about, you know? Yeah, walk before you run. Don't yeah. don't grab these things and then go, you know what? I'm ready to go go cranking up in root zone EC of eight tomorrow. And yeah, it's like just don't do it. Just yeah. give it give it a couple Keep runs. Keep it low. Just yeah. Give it yeah. a couple runs. Like see how, how it works for you. 
focus on some of these other things. You know, yeah. if you're so busy worrying about measuring out nutrients all the time, and then your plants are stretching up to your lights and you're out of control. Yeah. Can it be controlled? Right. Yeah. yeah. Everything. I think it's I think you should be yeah. more focused on that part, honestly, because yeah. that'll get out of control, and then you're just chasing down problems for the rest of the crop. Fucking yeah. nutrients made my plants grow into the light. Right. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. No. It, <laughs> It, nobody, nobody wants to admit that those are the bigger problems yeah. at the end of the day, but you nailed it. Yeah. Blended versus pro. Why is the blended line a lower EC on a ch- the chart versus pro? And can you feed blended as high as EC as, as pro line? You can. You can feed it at as high of an EC. Um, blended was originally crafted, I think, for a little bit smaller, less sophisticated equipment growers. And because of that, we weren't trying to immediately drive you into the the danger zone you know start the other way if you don't have you know moisture content sensors you're not measuring your output ec if you're doing some hand watering you're not collecting a lot of the leachate and analyzing it you probably don't want to push your ecs really high you know take the 90 percent definitely definitely not probably some people are crazy i mean some people are crazy you never know yeah but you know take risk take the 90 percent yield instead of trying to get this last squeeze out at every last little drop and risk catastrophe you know and i think that's walk before you run kind of thing yeah so if you, you want to do that do it on a test yeah exactly test it test i don't know how many plants you have but test like two percent of your garden if that's one plant or ten plants yeah. you know yeah this goes hand, plants. In, hand in hand with the notes things yeah you know like you want to get better take important notes don't just take notes of nothing but take take notes of relevant data points that you actually have control over and pictures and pictures are good and have an area for testing i think every grow should be designed with some area for experimentation and testing 100% agree with that. Regarding micro elements, are micros more available in a liquid compared to a powder form nutrient? No. They're the, they're the same. You're going to dissolve them, they're going to be the same. Same thing with organics? You don't know what you get in organics. Exactly. No. You get all that byproduct, right? Yeah. Well, and there's just it's more variable. Yeah. I mean, there's th- that's the biggest problem with, with organics is you, you, you get never, all the byproducts. You can never know what you're yeah. going to get. Yeah. A fish meal. I mean, they can do an analysis, but what did those? What did the fish they made the fish meal eat? You know, when were they caught? What was their main diet? You know, they're going to have different compositions. They'll be within spec, but since they're not making claims for what's in there, what does that mean? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about about why the blended line was released before the pro line? Kind of well, goes I mean, back. I mean, you just tell the story about the blended line. That's yeah, I mean, it's it had just been worked on for for years you know i mean that was more my my wheelhouse like designing for for research projects and ab systems that made sense because you could basically design for a certain plant a certain time of its life cycle um, in a certain environment for certain response and so the best way to do that was for me was very scientific aspect make a very perfect solution for that one and then a perfect solution for the bloom phase and then a couple additives to make sure that you can get cover a few more crops um as the growers became bigger and bigger and more sophisticated and had equipment and more and more experience, you can give them fewer parts and they can work with those to cover all their bases. Um, I, I think it's a level of, of sophistication and expertise. You know, as you get the tools, you can, you can make more with less. There's some rumors going around that Athena Blended is a white-label product of another brand. Who formulated Athena Blended and where is it manufactured? I formulated it. We manufacture in Rancho Cordova, California, at our facilities up there. I don't, I don't know what else that's coming from. How long have you been working on Athena Blended Line? 
I mean, since I've been went to my first hydro store and couldn't stand the prices. <laughs> That's where I started at. I went in there and I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't Burkhart it and just go bankrupt. I found out how to make my, <laughs> I found out how to make my own. Uh, you know, I forced myself into a research greenhouse at UC Davis. Uh, it was actually with, you know, kind of talked about this before with in the entomology department. So I'm very near and dear to to bugs and product testing. And I got myself into the greenhouses because I assumed that they weren't out at, you know green fire hydro buying nutrients for acres of greenhouses and figured out how to do this you know they're not running advanced uh no yeah. no but there was a because general hydroponics had a, a relationship with a researcher at uc davis so there was one lab that just loved their gh um but you know this is why you got to look at who's funding research and what their results are due diligence at the end of the day is there a true difference between many of the salt lines such you know, Floriflex, Crop Salts, and Jacks. Is there is there a major difference between our formulation and, and theirs? I don't know that there's major differences, but there's key differences, without a doubt. You know, I, there's, if you look at some of the different ones, so so like HGV, you know, in particular, like they, they write what they have. Ours is distinctly different than that, especially heading into the bloom phase. Um, don't always look at what's on the bag. If you really want to see what's going on, go get yourself a mineral analysis. Dissolve these off, send them to the lab, see what's in there. Um, but there's definitely some key differences. You know, we're we're running the lowest nitrogen heading into bloom that's possible um, to really keep keep the quality up and the yields up. You know, I don't know where they're selecting their ingredients. I know that you know we fight tooth and nail to get the cleanest, best product and consistent product in there. I just can't speak towards what they're doing on that aspect. I think you know, Jacks, Jr. Peters, they came from kind of a different background. I think they they like to add dyes to some of their stuff. You know, keep things colorful. Um, I'm not really a fan of. I hate adding, dyes. Adding anything. Well, it stains everything. We and tried why, it. Why would you add we dye? We tried it. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, yeah. No, we remember didn't. That? Uh, remember Ivan, that? Ivan. You got in big trouble. <laughs> I got in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Ivan, now they can tell pissed. the no. difference between the stock tanks. You got like, one bro, blue it's, one and it's one. It's fucking pro-line. If you don't know the difference, well, don't gonna, use it. They're going to know real quick when they stick the wrong bag in the wrong reservoir <laughs> yeah. and they, they got cottage cheese coming out of their stock tank. <laughs> Dude, Ivan's words are like, bro, if you want to put dyes in your shit, I don't want anything to do with it. Take your nutrients Me back. Me either. I'm like... <laughs> Word Super for word, get your dye out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh, you should only put in there what the plant wants to use. Yeah, uh, doesn't use dye. Turns out. Um, let's see here, how we how is Athena handling the fertilizer shortage? Um, we're fighting tooth and nail like everybody else, but we've got forward contracts looking out two or three years, full time staff dedicated to it. Um, we're in good shape. You know, we we made our decisions early on saw this coming you know um henry's over here hiding in the background but er, people give henry what he wants so he just went over there you know and demanded products and they just gave it to him <laughs> strong <laughs> um, yeah absolutely well, he's, he's like six six hundred pounds this guy walked through your front door it's like all right bro take whatever you want bro. <laughs> did i tell you i did mma <laughs> uh yeah we have we have a whole team though you know it's not just henry there's we're fighting, but you know it's it's the same deal. We got, you have to look forward, far far out in the future, and and secure your product. And and we've done that. Yeah, you know, we don't want anybody to run out of their product at all. So we just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. What relation? What relationship, if any, does nitrogen and calcium have in veg and flour? Um, you know, I'll keep hitting on this low nitrogen and bloom thing. You know, there's like I said, that's always good for yield. You really want to make sure you have enough calcium to support 
whatever growth you're getting, however lush it is. You know, calcium is important in the cell wall, just like the silica, um, for strengthening up the plant and making sure that it can actually support what's going on. You know, everybody, everybody trains up and trellises plants at this point, but you still need to have stocks that are healthy enough to to support all this. Um, so you want tons of calcium. You want a strong, thick cell wall and if you just have lush plants, you're going to have pest problems. You're going to have disease problems, like just too much nitrogen. So keep the calcium high. And we always provide, you know, you want at least more calcium than your nitrogen. And pretty much you can't give too much calcium until you start choking out potassium, magnesium. But that's unlikely to happen. So you want to have as much calcium to nitrogen as possible. But nitrogen in the flower phase, we want to taper it down. Yep. Yep. And that's, if you look at bloom, there's no nitrogen in it. And that's how you can kind of steer how much nitrogen you're getting in comparison to your total EC. Jay, you had a question. You were making stock tank concentrations at one to one ratios. Mm -hmm. And then you have Max making stock tank concentrations at three to five ratio. You want to explain and ask that to Roach or Chris? Yeah, is that just convenience to dialing in your doser system to be able to mix the stock concentrates to what you want to feed on like your 40-60 ratio? Yeah, I would imagine he's doing, Max is doing it. I don't know what you're maxing out your EC at, but it seems like Max is running a little bit higher on some of his shit. So I think with that, you're able to pull in more with less, right? If it's yeah. if it's higher concentrate. I don't, I think this might just be a personal preference thing because at the end of the day if your EC is I mean I run out, two and a half dude yeah two you and a half pounds you run two and a half pounds of bloom per gallon I think mm-hmm. so you just watch your tanks go down at different rates if you're if you're mixing your concentrates at different yeah. strengths then your, con- your tanks go down at equal rates yeah I'm a fan of that okay I'd prefer I don't want to have I don't want to have to make you know uh, 900 gallons in stock tank in one day so I'd rather yeah. I'd rather it go like oh maybe this week it's you know your core yeah. and then the next week it's bloom and then you know a couple weeks later three weeks you know yeah no it's, it takes is, us about three weeks to go through a uh, three hundred gallon stock tank yeah totally personal preference so for me it was always convenient so we were managing hundreds of fertilizer injectors for research projects and so everything I formulated in the past was always equal tank volumes. And that way you could quickly go check if your tanks are going down equally, your injectors are working. So you could see that they're going down the same. So it's harder to to do a quick check on your equipment if they're coming down at different rates because you don't know if one just stopped for a day, it might not be noticeable. Um, So that's that's why I mean, I like we're that also method. playing around with our ratios right now are, too. So right. it's like, even if we were doing that, they'd still go down. Right, and so we're playing with our ratios. Yeah, and know? and that's where the personal preference thing comes in. You know, if you want a quick quick visual reference, like Henry and I have also talked about this because he has some some uh, ag background here. He's on my page. I think equal tank volumes. Watch them go down the same. But then if you start tweaking things, you're like, hey, I think I want to up my up my potassium well, and then a little you, bit heading into bloom, and you start adjusting one of your injectors. You just throw all that out of whack anyway. Yeah, true. So, yeah, I feel like putting 10 bags in this tank and then 15 bags in that tank and then 16 in this one. I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh, no, throw Pers- 20 bags in that tank and you're done. You yeah. Know? Keeping it simple. It's yeah. all personal preference. It really, it really comes down to it. And I then think. Have your injectors set up yeah. accordingly. You know, that's for yeah. me, that's what's yeah. easiest, you know, but I get it looking at, you know, thousands of gallons of concentrate. Yeah. Going to acres. Yeah. You know, I get that. Yeah. Well, and I, I also get from the staffing point of view, you don't want somebody dissolving off 900 gallons in a day. You're going to be like, hey, what's going on over there? What have you been doing all day? Yeah. <laughs> all they're doing is dissolving off your salt. So, yeah. yeah. With the ratio of bloom to core, after day 35, 
Have you been playing with that? Yeah, all of us have. Dylan, I think Max has been playing with it too. Yes, Dylan has a lot Sorry. of rooms. You got to do it at least once. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mitten Master. You know, most people know him as Mitten Master, but Dylan has a lot of rooms, so he's been playing with that. I know Craft Farmer has too, just cutting the, the core out, you know, making more of like a 30 70 ratio. What are you lowering that nitrogen? And what up are in you the guys doing? I mean, what what is the what is it? Ten. I heard I talked to Dylan and he was saying ten percent a week is what he's playing with. Yeah. So me this round, you know, I wasn't trying to tweak too much. I only have one room, right? So I get one shot at it. I did forty sixty ratio until day thirty five, and then I dropped it to a thirty seventy. And at the last week, I dropped that even more to like a twenty eighty ratio. Okay. What's your thoughts on that, Chris? Go for it. Not against it. I would say just never cut the core out entirely. Um, you need that calcium. You do need that calcium. You know, I, if if you if you cut all the calcium out, especially in rock wool, um, you're in cocoa. I think you were saying. Yeah. Yep. So there's a little bit of calcium that's probably going to be stuck in that root zone no matter retention. what. Yeah, you got cation exchange capacity in cocoa, so you'll have a little bit. Okay. Um, but if you're in rock wool and you cut all the calcium out, you're going to get dead meristem tissue from no cell walls being formed from no calcium and now you have wet exposed tissue in the middle of a bud well, that brings what do you think that turns into yeah i've heard people too also lowering taking out core and putting in calmag you know putting in that calcium even like oh, as a pre-flush so you don't you know hurt that plant or cause botrytis and starve it at the end i'd just stick with core okay yeah because if you're doing if you're doing calmag all the calmags have um a little bit of nitrogen in them too yeah um and some of it's coming with the magnesium and some's coming from the calcium mm-hmm. you can cut all the magnesium out it's going to translocate from other parts in the plant um, but the calcium will not so you want to just get the calcium and the first person we've seen adjusting these ratios was randon uh, top shelf gardens yeah he was the first wow. one doing it. he was cutting core out at like day 40 and his bags are always really nice um so and then everybody saw that and we started talking about <laughs> it and Dude, what Instagram page is that guy on, bro? Like number eight. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out dude, to the homie though, man. IG he's, police, bro. He's, keep he getting it. it bro. He's a G, dude. dude he's, he's a cool savage. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've helped him get his Instagram account back like three or four times. Yeah. Or you know, get a new one and get it going again. But he he's had to go get a new cell phone. Man. He had to go. I mean, yeah. all kinds of stuff, man. Yeah. He's he's been at it. You guys are all brave getting on Instagram. <laughs> 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 I just lurk. I just lurk. <laughs> what do you so lowering the the core later and after day thirty five? What are you personally seeing? Have you harvested yet? Haven't had enough, you know, testing to really tell. Uh, but you know, our quality is great right now. I'm going to mimic the same thing I did this round. You know, day thirty five, I'm going to go to that thirty seventy ratio and run it again. Are you testing it, Roach? A little bit, a little bit. I got to see it work, like. 10 times in a row See, to be convinced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's yeah. the right way to do it. You got to get repeated results. Yeah. One-offs don't count. Yeah, nope. It's not like one time you run something, oh my God, it was this second I mean, shit But that 40-60 ratio is real nice. We ran that all the way through. Yeah. You know, Max has ran it all the way through 3-0 and did his flush and, yep. you know, fire. Yeah, so, that's what we recommend, you know? Yeah, you don't want to tweak too much, but if you have the rooms, you know, and you want to push yourself, why not? I think a new gardener needs to go out there and start adjusting their <laughs> Absolutely core. No. No, 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 please, please don't. don't. Stick with the recommended. We, ran, yeah, don't, we don't. still run recommended on 99% of everything. And I'm For not sure. even exaggerating when I say 99%. Good. Yeah. But we are testing it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, you know, once we do get definitive answer on if we should lower core and after day 35 or day 40, we'll definitely change our feed program. Yeah. With data though. With data. It could be strain dependent. This could be another one of those conditions where not all plants are going to respond the same. That's the hardest part of the whole thing. Isn't it? Every girl's different. I know. You know, to 
tend to them. It's very difficult. Yeah. Well, you know, Rush, we kind of talk about it. So I'm taking notes, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes having different plants on the same program help you kind of see what different plants need to and help you isolate and find your problems. So, because they respond differently. You know, if you're running, you guys run hot, you know, with these irrigation schedules, some people are really pushing things uh, and they kind of show you what's going on with different crops, whether it's everything problem or just a, a cultivar strain dependent. Yeah, I, I think out of all the nutrient companies, Athena's changed its feeding program more than <laughs> anybody. And we've been in like business for like three years or something. Yeah. But that's what I love about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're always... I mean, dude, look tweaking. at how much change in the fucking industry we've seen in the past three years. Oh my them. gosh. It's, good change. It's insane. Good change. Yeah, good change. very good change. Yeah. I think, you know, from the very first the day... The data availability talking. is just mm-hmm. immense, bro. It's yeah. Like, just like you were talking on earlier, like, unless like back in the day, like, you know, Ivan was really big on the forums, mm-hmm. um, you know, unless you got like an invite into one of those forums, but those were like exclusive. Those were tough to get into, you know, you had to... You had to know somebody and then that person had to vet you and then you had to get in or you could only see like a couple posts if you weren't in in. But yeah, now it's like fucking hop on Instagram, learn how to fucking do anything, dude. It's well crazy. it started with two E C, right? That was the heavy feed for Proline initially. Um, I think it was two seven. <laughs> two seven E C was heavy. And then was Max doing the testing and that where the three no, came from? No, Roach Roach and Ivan, Max, all of us, you know, we all we're all testing and you know, really, it just we, we saw better results at the three OEC. I think mo- most everybody. But yeah, I think it's really more 100%. about irrigation strategy and stacking, because you know that's that's where you can run a two EC and run a high substrate, sure, yep. and run a high substrate EC. Yeah, you know, you can do that, but that just takes longer. But then to aren't stack you getting it. into with LEDs and HPS? You know, a lot of people run LEDs now. You know, it's very important to run that three, three, five EC beginning with LEDs, correct? Well, that also goes back to it depends on what your EC and your media is because you can still run the two five or two O EC and maintain a higher EC and a media when you're using LEDs by which, manipulating like shot size mm-hmm. and runoff yeah. amounts and all that shit. Right. But then you're just, you're just playing with fire, baby. Cause yeah. your core yeah. EC is higher on the, under the LEDs now, right? Compared to your HPS rooms. Yeah. But it's more difficult to get there. Just stacking. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't take as many irrigations. So you kind of got to shorten the irrigations to get it to stack. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, we were going up to sometimes as high as like 14 feedings a day. Like it was rare, but like usually like 10 to 12, almost like every HPS into? room. And now it's like eight, you know? Okay. Um, I don't know. We've done, we've done a bunch of stuff where, you know, we, we run, you know, like a six or six to a 10 substrate EC. Now, you know, we're playing around with keeping it lower, kind of how we used to, uh, kind of almost running it like more generatively uh, or I'm sorry, vegetatively. Okay. Yeah. I'm running seven in the substrate. I'm trying to, for the first three weeks to get that generative. Cue yeah, going. yeah. Yeah. Just to get those bud mm-hmm. sites popping off. And then yeah. once I stack, cause I'm coming out of Go back to vegetative veg with blended my Corey season only three. Yeah. So that first three weeks, you know, we feed that three, five and we try and get that gen steer up, spike that EC up seven, eight, you know, especially with them high drybacks. Do you see any transitional, um, effects on like leaf when you transition from veg into flower, like for the first like seven to 10 days? No. What do you mean? No. Mm-mm. Uh, just like a little bit of edge burning no. sometimes when we're pushing our veg plants really hot mm-hmm. uh and then we bring them into flower we'll see a little bit of uh tip burning on them just from that transfer I'm thinking just like really high nitrogen maybe yeah well uh, are, are you seeing at nights are you getting little build up at the tips of the leaves 
um, you know, kind of at the serrations, you can sometimes you get a little bit of moisture that gets built no, up overnight. Because no. sometimes they can they can exude a little bit of excess salt there. Got and it. You can get some tip burn from that just Got locally. It. Yeah. Okay. But maybe just drying back too hard. Yeah. You know, how far of, of a dry back are you doing, you know, for the first well, we three weeks? In I a mean, gen-steer? we don't like to go more than like 30, 35%. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because, okay, I mean, your fuel capacity will be at like 70% when it's fully soaked, you mm-hmm. know? So if you go down 30, you're at 40. If you go down 35, oh, you're see. You, if you go down, you know. See, we've had a debate about this, me and Dylan, because it's hard to transfer that to somebody else's garden. So me, mm-hmm. like if I'm at a 60% saturation. So then you would go down, I'm, yeah. But I'm doing a 50% dry back. Now I'm going from 60 to 30. 50% dry back. So 50% if you're using different sensors. field capacity. Exactly. Because oh, of your got sensor it. Got could it. be Arroyo. You're, you're seeing an 80%. Or gross sense. Or, and I'm in cocoa and I'm seeing 50. Yeah. Well, now you saying go down 40. It doesn't really translate to me. Once exactly. I'm only reading 40. Exactly. So now I'm going to go down to zero. Exactly. <laughs> so I do kind of the percentage, you know what I mean? Of so, total field capacity. Yeah. So like for me, gen is 50 to 60% dry back. Yep. And then um, vegetative is like more of like a 40, 35%. Got it. Got it. Is what I'm finding, Got you know, it. In, in talking with Dylan and, and Max, I, you know. I, yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that enough either. Mm-hmm. You know, cause they'll tell you to do 35% dry back. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're like, well, my field capacity is only fucking 50 right well, now because and, it's towards, yeah. you know, like it's, it's week three right now or whatever, you well, know, I mean, me and Max were collaborating when he first started talking to me beginning of 2021 and, uh, his sensors, he's using GrowLink, the TDR sensors, okay. fully submerging it in water. It's only getting 50%. Yeah. But some of my arroyas See, are reading 80. Yeah. So how do we, you know, transfer data appropriately? We've seen also between like GrowSense and Arroyo, Arroyo reads a higher EC for some reason. Especially in the, the same fucking cube. Yeah. Same fucking cube. Mm-hmm. You could have a sensor plugged in right next to each other, plug it into the same spot. It, it, mm-hmm. it reads a higher EC. For I, some I think it's important whenever you are reporting results and, and talking about these things to mention the equipment you're using. Of course. You know, I think that's that's standard for scientific research is what mm-hmm. are all the pieces of equipment that you're using? Because yeah. this could be a very different conversation. You know, you're talking about relative dryback versus absolute dryback. Yes. And those are those are huge differences, obviously. You can't go from 40 to zero, but you can uh-uh. drop from a, you know, 40% of your half, you know, of your 50 is a totally different number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think it's critical that we start all using 30. the same language, yeah. you know, and especially reporting on the equipment so that we can get consistent, consistent results because they're going to behave differently. Yeah. 100%. Roach, when making a batch tank that lasts for days or even weeks, how often sh- how often do you guys agitate your guys' batch tanks, or even at all? It's just running on the agitation program through the Netaflex, just like a little like 120 to 24 volt little contactor. Um, and I think it's on for like, when it's not active, it's on for like 15 minutes, off for 10. And then when it is active, it's on for like 30 and then off for 30, I think. So like if it's if it's like fertigating and making nutrients, it'll turn on for thirty minutes, then it'll turn off. Interesting. Yeah, but if it's right. if it's not, it's just on for ten. With with Athena on, do you think it's really necessary to agitate your batch tanks? You know, daily or once it's all dissolved, which in the beginning people think it's all dissolved, but if you go let it sit for a second, it's probably not all the way dissolved. It takes a little bit of time because the elements that are in there. Once it's all dissolved, every drip is identical to the next one. Like it's. That's the beauty of an ionic solution. Everything that's in there and stable and dissolved is going to stay that way. You know, it's not like it's going to settle out. Think of the ocean. It's not like the salt just yeah, falls no out. Yeah, there's no fallout. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's no fallout. So generally you're agitating just to make sure that the top of the tank stays clean and clear. You know, a little bit of agitation to keep things moving. Even with blended, with like having CalMag in there, you would, you know, suggest agitating I, it? 
I don't think you need to personally. Okay. You know, I depends how fast you're running through the tank too. Totally. If this tank is sitting for two weeks, let's say three days. You don't need uh, to agitate. Once it's no. fully dissolved, you don't need to agitate it. Just <laughs> of the hundreds of different stock tanks that we used to run in the research environment, zero were agitated. Nice. It was fully dissolved, fully blended off. And this is going to sound awful, but certain ones uh, with certain chelites, they are more prone to basically fungal growth on top of them because the chelites break down and they provide carbon for it. Um, some of those would grow things on top of them, but it doesn't change the mineral composition and whatever's on there can't live in that condition and also go live in your plant you know it's a hyper saline environment they're two totally different things so I, that's the main reason to agitate is if it's going to last a long time keep things churning over stop things from growing in the tanks okay but three days let it yeah. rip and stock concentrate are you agitating that can that you know you need to agitate stack no stock concentrate oh. sorry no you you're good For if they're all fully dissolved you should be fine it comes down to how long, how long you you're storing a couple it. months would I'd, you say i'd agitate it every now and then just yeah. to stop it from getting anything colonizing on the top okay so i mean you're you're putting together something that has components for life so eventually something's going to find its way on there and, and want to start growing so but once it's fully dissolved it's all the same you know that's why you're dissolving it off otherwise just why wouldn't you go spoon it into your pots kill them all off <laughs> chris can you flush for too long and cause botrytis yeah yeah, you want to keep calcium coming. So I think botrytis is, you know, it's a huge problem. You know, you get it already. You know, people With get LEDs it all the time. Especially. I, I kind of wanted to talk about that, and we kind of moved along. Um, Lower transpiration rates with these LEDs, mm-hmm. um, definitely calcium is passively uptaken through the system. So you actually need mass flow through a plant, actual water absorption. Um, if you start cutting back too much core in an LED room or your humidity stay high enough that you really have super low transpiration, you're going to start running into some issues. Because you're not getting enough transpiration through the plant, so tapering this core. Even down if you are negatives. feeding, even if even if you are feeding, correctly, yeah, if the plants, like, you can still get botrytis for sure, it, yeah. for sure. And so you want to yeah. you want to minimize those chances. So if you're in a really you know if you're in a cool temperature, fairly high humidity, you know, even if the light intensity is high under these LEDs, um, don't start cutting back the core too soon. You're going to run into problems. You're just not going to have enough calcium That's in the good system. Um, and you can also if you if your plants can handle it. You can drop the humidity a little bit if you're still getting what you want out of it to get a little bit more transpiration through there uh, to, to help a little bit from that botrytis. I know it's a fine line to walk for how dry do you want your room and quality, but with these LEDs, if you want more transpiration, you want a little bit more, more fluid flowing through the system, you can drop, drop the, uh, the humidity a little bit. Yeah, and in these rooms that we've been retrofitting uh, from HPS to LED, we're having to add dehumidification in those rooms oh yeah yeah i bet you i bet you gets yeah. uncomfortable in there like it's just gonna ramp up fast i mean yeah if you don't have if you don't yeah. have the capacity or yeah. you're at the same capacity that you were at for hps room and it worked off it worked you know but yeah you definitely have to add in yeah i mean they'll stop drinking i mean everybody's seen it under those leds it'll just pots never dry up yeah you know you're gonna start getting some calcium deficiency in there under those those conditions roach how do you flush how are you guys flushing? I mean, dude, back in the day, we used to do two-week flush. As long as your, as long as your uh, environment was on point, um, you would very rarely see it. You'd very rarely see botrytis, right? As long as your cure's good. Um, now, we're going like. So, what do you consider a flush, right? Because we're kind of dropping our EC around like week eight, but it's not like a. Flush. Nice we're like taper. cutting it in half right so mm-hmm. we're going to like 
maybe a one and a half or a 1.0 or a 0.7. You know, we've messed with all kinds of stuff. What we put on the pro line chart. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's how you guys are flushing. Exactly. Yeah. That's because you, that's, that was the recent change. The most recent change we Mm -hmm. made on the pro line chart was the new flushing technique that you guys are using. Yes. And that's, we're always updating it. Yeah. It's pretty much, you know, beginning to midweek eight, you know, you're going to go down to a one to a one and a half, you know, dependent. And then, uh, and then maybe the last couple of days, two, three days, splash it with some RO. Just make yourself feel better, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> feel like you're doing it the old way. Yeah. Yeah. What are uh, signs to look at plant morphology if the humidity is too high at night? I mean, I know you will get like a little bit of burning, right? You'll get, yeah. Because you'll have some moisture on those leaves like over the night and then the lights turn on, you'll get a little burning on yeah. them. You get a little bit of that just tip burn, right? Where, you, you know, if you start seeing the accumulation of liquid, if you first go in the room and there's tiny little droplets into the leaves, you know, you're too high. Or inside the canopy. Yeah. Um, in those little microclimates. Uh, and then other than that, I mean, I, th- I know this humidity high is probably from a few things, right? You're probably irrigating too often right you're either keeping your your substrate ec high because that's where a lot of the humidity is coming from in these rooms right it's when you're feeding your plants right so i've seen uh before like in a high humid environment where the plant will almost do like a vegetative like little like spurt at the top right it'll like shoot out a little stem right or a little leaf it'll come up yeah and that's keeping your shit too wet right and 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 then i think that also ties into the humidity at night but to say like, oh, high humidity at night causes this directly, uh, you know. Causes PM, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no shit. No, I think, Every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not morphology, that's disease. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You, I think this is one of your questions, Mobile. Uh, best way to avoid bud rot while growing monster nugs. <laughs> That was not my question. This is actually something I inform the community about like oh, quite a lot. This is the questions that you got? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I've been growing with LED since the beginning and I've been dealing with bud rot and it's basically coming down to, you know, doing an appropriate taper, not doing a flush for two weeks. Obviously it depends on your pot size, but it's getting humidity down the last three, four weeks, getting it down to 40, 35%. And we're seeing, you know, if you feed a hundred gallons, you need minimum 800 pints of dehumidification, but if you're growing monsters you almost need double so like roach is talking in you know retrofit in the hps rooms you need a ton of dehumidification now um, for these leds and they just hit on a different level if you're pushing over a thousand par you're gonna have issues if your shit's not controlled yeah and then you have to break down every nug all the way to the tip you know that's another big thing for like the caregiver market out by me you know if we're giving cannabis to our patients you don't want them to have you know bud rot inside of it so it's upon you the grower to make sure everything's clean once it gets out yep tips and tricks for cloning which is better to uh grow uh, what is which is better to start from clone or seed i mean obviously clone is i mean what's your motive what are you trying yeah. to do bro are you trying to grow some shit everyone else got or are you trying to like find some new shit you know because if you're trying to find some new bomb shit you pop seed if you're just trying to run like production, clone, right? I got a different look on this from the disease aspect here. I think shoot it. I think uh, tissue culture is going to be kind of the future here. You know, a lot of other plant industries have uh, tissue culture, cleaning of disease, certification programs. So you make clean stock, you send it off to a certified nursery, and they send out clean clones, and you know what you're getting disease free. 
Um, I think there's going to be some of that in the future. Um, and then seed, you got to have cleaning protocol. You're right. You're never going to get a new plant without a, without a seed. You know, you're not, not going to get that. So yeah. go from there, find the one you want, get your fire, bring it back into tissue culture, back into the lab, make sure it's fully clean, certified program, and you can send out certified clean clones. You're, you, you guys do a lot of tissue culture at Jungle Boys, and you were growing there before you were doing tissue culture, right? Are you, what are the biggest difference you're seeing in total overall plant growth characteristics and health with TC? I mean, just the fact knowing that all the cuts that are coming uh, to all the facilities out there in LA from the nursery, uh, Walt and Mike over there, um, that is their area of expertise, uh, cloning, tissue culture. Um, I think just having that in the back of your head that all those moms came from TC, right? Because people think like, oh, all their plans are TC, right? It's not the case, right? It would, that would be impossible, right, to scale, crazy. right? Crazy. You basically have to, you know, bring out a fully clean tissue culture Mary stem plant, right? I know they went over this a little bit, and then you mom that out, and then you're starting fresh right away, you know? Um, but benefits, I mean... There's a lot, dude. You know, like we had a bunch of old strains, right? When we uh, fired that up that, you know, Ivan's had for, you know, 15, 20 years, whatever. Um, and then when you clean them up, you can see what's coming out of these fucking things. Yeah, they've had yeah. disease probably. There's a lot of yeah. different things going on. Yeah, they've, they've been around for fucking ever, yeah. you know? So they collect little things along the way. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah it, definitely. It is the future. You know, you're talking about a lot of the changes over the last few years. This one's where it's going to be going, you know, proper breeding, definitely in the cards, you know, for disease resistance, pest resistance, and then certified clean stock. What do you think about CRISPR? I know this is like complete fucking curveball, but like I've seen like some of this shit going around. I've talked to a few people like at Netafim and stuff about it. I don't I, know. What are your thoughts on, on, on modified, g- genetically modified uh, crops? Hmm. I'm generally because because it's coming CRISPR. to cannabis. It's, yep. it's it's coming to cannabis. You said you know tissue culture is the future. So I'm like, yo, what about CRISPR then? Because yep. that shit's the fucking future. It's happening. I mean, I was there mold was the, resistant, pest resistant plants. You know, like yeah. we just had this podcast, the last podcast with Tassa. Yeah. Did you listen to it? I did. I didn't yeah. get all the way through it, but I did listen to like the first twenty minutes of it. Yeah. Yeah, she had, uh, we talked a little bit about CRISPR and, and what they're doing. I think she said there's like 80 different genes that they found that were PM they resistant. Can, yeah, that they can splice in yeah. the yes. DNA yeah. wow. gene. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it'll be a benefit ultimately. You're using cannabis genes and putting them in cannabis, so you're not really, you're not taking, you know. Fucking not, corn. Right, exactly. And, and Or, you know, they use for the the freeze resistance in plants back in the day it was like oh they took a fish gene or something and that's what freaked everybody out nobody's eating that just for the record but um i I think it'll be huge you know you want people to spray less pesticides you know and have a healthier crop and you want to be able to have people smoking this we should look at other avenues that are that are available to us than just no no crispr and you're putting a you're putting a cannabis gene back in it. You can spend decades breeding to get that gene in there, or you can identify, isolate, and reinsert it into a plant. You know, I, th- I think it's going to happen. Either it's already way. happening. You know, there's yeah. um, there's Emerald Conference was you know kind of down down south here in a couple weeks back, and there was a group that actually made some stable GMO cannabis plants. So a lot of them um, they're not necessarily carried on through seed. 
uh, and they actually made stable ones. And they had a fluoroprotein in it. And so clone they making, only, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. right now it's kind of clone only, but they were able to actually get a stable stable gene into a plant and have seed carried through. So Crazy. it's moving forward, you know, and that'd be it's happening. It already exists in other industries now. It's just a matter of where it comes in canvas. Yeah. See what the next three years brings us, right? I know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's going to be yeah. crazy for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you could get a plant that had a cannabis gene in it that stopped you from getting powdery mildew, would you just automatically say no just because it was from CRISPR? What if you couldn't test that it was from CRISPR? Because most CRISPR plants can't test after it's been made because the genes are already matching cannabis genes, so you wouldn't even know. Somebody yeah. could claim that it was a traditional breeding program. We're already, How would you know? kind of already genetically modifying it just by doing selective breeding that is genetic yeah, modification yeah that's exactly what it yeah. is you, you know? just happen to be doing you're just not you're just not doing it synthetically right yeah like literally taking cells and yeah you know. and if you can't tell the difference and somebody said they got it through traditional breeding would anybody be the wiser yeah exactly yeah what's up bud I never you got some questions yeah so I think a lot of people finally bro ask <laughs> this guy some questions yeah we're point the, the camera seat. on him the yeah, right. point the camera there's on a, there's him a, there's, a, there's a reason why I'm never the <laughs> camera's never pointed at me yeah at home we call you Bill Belichick <laughs> for putting this team together yeah. uh, but I know a lot of people want to know how you met Ivan and how Athena started and you know the beginning of all this yeah for sure um, so running a hydro shop you know I always wanted to get the Jungle Boy account and sell him hydro equipment I worked hard at that and uh, we started doing business together and uh, selling hydro equipment to Jungle Boys and then I went down, I think you guys were at 17th Street or something and I went walked into Ivan's office with a DE1000 and uh, was like, hey, I can make a better light than, than the Gavita than what you're using now, you know, and he was like, all right, you know, show me, you know, so we hung some and uh sat in the office at TLC with Roach and designed the Lux D1000 Roach, Ivan, and myself and designed pretty much the, I personally think, the best double-ended light that's ever come into existence. Would you concur with that? It's my baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it really all started with Lux and designing that D1000. Still got a ton of them. Bro. Yeah, they crush them. Fucking love those They things. pull a half pound more per light. Uh, over any other yeah. double-ended on the market. I mean, it just is what it is. Those are yeah. facts. Yeah. And at the time, you know, Ivan and Roach were using another nutrient line. And what I what I really saw was that <clears throat> Ivan called me up after we created a light that was just sick. And I think Ivan wanted to create a nutrient line that he could control. Because obviously, his whole livelihood has to do with what he's feeding the plants. You agree with that, Roach? Yeah, I mean, that's what we live and breathe, bro. Step you know? one. Yeah. Step one, you know? So, what do plants need? Yeah. Light and nutrients. But I think more than anything, it was something that he could control and not have some small nutrient company just throw some random formula change or do something that he didn't really want in his garden. And yeah, because it happened. It did. It, yeah. Yeah, it happened, and we were sick of it. Yeah. So, so that's when. <laughs> so that's when. To uh, be blunt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, we we ended up getting Chris Duran involved. Ivan called Chris and Lacey and came down, and uh, Chris Duran had the formulation of the blended line, 
already that he had formulated and we went to work on pro line and that's when you know you have that eureka moment when you're working with you know somebody like chris you know uc davis you know director of greenhouse research this and that and you're using a two-part formula and you've been using you know i was personally a canna guy you know i was i was canna through and through you couldn't get me off of it that was my line i I would only use canna um but then you you know chris duran gives you a two-part you know powder formula or or two-part in general and you go and you crush and grow the best weed you ever have you're like holy shit yeah simple i think the better question was how did uh I meet Brandon. No, we'll do that. We'll do that in another podcast. No. <laughs> you brought it up, bro. We already down this path. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. How did? Oh, what did we? What, what conference was down in Vegas? I was. Uh, I think it was because because I was already like talking to you guys, right? Yeah. We were already ordering hydro shit from you, but I had never met you. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I stumble into some some conference in vegas it wasn't mj biscon it was like before something yeah it was it was the smaller one, one yeah i'm like walking around checking everything out and stumble across this guy see that they had the hydro hydroponics ink shirts on i'm like what's up motherfucker <laughs> like you know and uh yeah rest is history bro it's a good night. It was a good night. <laughs> Roach and I. Yeah. All the details are going to be more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Off this yeah. podcast. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Definitely. But no, it just kind of started with, you know, Ivan wanted to create a nutrient line that he had uh, full control over and that we could do R&D and testing in his facilities and create something that we're not trying to push another bottle on someone or sell them another product. We're actually taking bottles away selling them less product and creating success. And, um, that's why we continue to always, you know, change and adjust because, you know, having access to people like Roach and the team at Jungle Boys, Walt, you know, 100s, uh, you know, Debo, all the guys down there and getting feedback on multiple facilities of what we're seeing with different formulations and changing and doing the R and D is really what makes Athena, Athena. And we're always working, you know? So, it's uh it's a special it's a, it's a special team for sure nobody else in the industry is coming close in my opinion to what you guys are doing thanks brother and Appreciate that leads that. to the question of the facility advisors you know what made you you know who who came up with put, putting together a, a team of killers you know to go out there and show people how to use your product you know i think it adds great value you know it's cool it started with uh alex up in Truckee. you know i uh had a customer in in Sacramento and Alex and I was, were homies all the way down here in Southern California. And he was taking the, the two part formula that we were getting from Chris and we're working with jungle boys on. And he was taking it and I was giving it to him. I was like, Hey, try this out. Tell me what you think while I'm running it. He's running it. And he's just coming back like, bro, keeps getting better. Like I was like, dude, there's a new formulation. Here it is. Here's the new two part. Check this out. And he's just like coming back. He's like, Oh my God, I can't, bro, I'm blown away right now. Like, and he just keeps coming back. So he ended up, you know, moving from down South, moved up, uh, to Truckee and Athena had launched and I had a customer in, in Sacramento that needed some help that was having some hard times, uh, using ProLine cause he's feeding at 2EC and not really stacking. So he needed to really up it cause there's that adjustment when you're, when you go to this two part and it's super balanced, you got to really feed at a higher EC. So Alex went down there, helped him out, the guy called me like two or three weeks later. He's like, 
best run I've ever, best, you know, everything's perfect. Really appreciate you. And I called Alex. I was like, dude, we should, you know, start this, you know, we should call it, dude, call facility advisor and, and have, have, you know, you a girl around and help everybody up North and, you know, we'll figure something out. So we started on that, but really what I think that built such a great team of killers and why we have such amazing cultivators on the team, especially the, the FA team mm-hmm is because the same reason why I'm so passionate about Athena. When you get a two-part formula after 15 years of being fed all this stuff about how you need all these different inputs and all these, you know, 15 bottles and you need to spend all this money and the more money you spend on nutrients, the better it's going to be. And, and you just go in the hydro shop, not all of them, but some of them, and you get pushed on all this stuff and you take a two-part powder and you grow the best weed you've ever grown in your You're life. Pissed. <laughs> fucking mad like what the fuck did i waste all that time for and money exactly you're true you're yeah. so what happens at that point the same thing that happened with alex and the same thing that happened with me realization you're like oh my god yeah this is it yeah, yeah. like I, I found it yeah and then when you get that right all the all the guys on the team max dylan jj um, all these guys that have been growing weed for a long, long time, you know, you give them this two part, you give them a bottle of cleanse and you say, go for Cut it. Cut them loose. And then they're like, they come back to you and they're like, holy shit, bro. Like, we have to share this. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to get this out. Like, we got to show people that they don't need all this other stuff. You know, they could do it with this two part and cleanse. Like, that's all they need. That's just how people are, though. If you find something that you like, you're going to tell people that you like about it you're gonna be like oh dude i just got these new shoes they're sick you should yeah, they're exactly. dope you know have you seen these they're sick you know like yeah. you're gonna tell people about it yeah just naturally you yeah know? exactly yeah and that's what the that's what happens and that's what happened that's how we got such killers on the team because these guys are believers you know dylan gets hit up all the time you know, Mitten Master gets hit up all the time to go work for other nutrient companies, go work for other hydro companies, probably for more money than we pay him, you know, but he won't because he believes in what he's doing every day. When you believe in what you're doing every day and you go to work and you're changing growers' lives one by one, it's rewarding, bro. It's extremely rewarding. Yeah. You can't put a price on that, period. It you've does. personally helped so many people, me Thanks, included, man. like, and my little homies. Like, you've Thanks, done brother. more for us than anybody ever has. Appreciate you. No, really. And Thank then you. once we do see the belief, now it's like this team family thing, and it's just full steam ahead. Yep. You know, and then now a lot of people, too, are copying your blueprint. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are putting facility advisors out there. And, yeah. You know, you got, you're at the top of the hill, so. I, well, I, you know what? People, you would think that I'd get upset about that. You know, I'm not. I think... I think if we're promoting good industry knowledge, it's what's good for the community. If they want to copy our products, if they want to have people that, you know, create facility advisors that go help other cultivators be successful, stoked. Go do it. You should do it more. You're way ahead of the trend, though, so I don't think you have to worry about that. You know, you're getting everybody stuck behind you. Appreciate you. Thank you. you. And then they look up at you. (laughs) <laughs> and you know it's hard for them not to be salty because yeah. you guys came in here you know i was in the grocery store not long ago and i was telling about lux lights and they thought they were truck lights they had no idea yeah you know or a thing they had no idea and i told them like the wave from california is coming and it's gonna crash on your fucking head and yeah. it did 
Yeah. You know, it took a couple of years, but now it's just, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, people are crushing. It's so simple, you know, thanks to Chris and, simple. you know, everything he does. Like, blended for me, I've never had better results. I'm on five mils Kelmag, 11 A and B, no runoff. Perfect every time. Every leaf green <laughs> yeah. going to my veg. It's no spotless. Runoff. No runoff. Ballsy. It's so forgiving <laughs> for me with the liquid nutrients. So it works for me. Yeah. You know, and I tell people what works for me, you know, so... Um, but immaculate moms and cuts and that's what I do. So, yeah. Um, but the next question is, are you going to follow the jungle boys to Florida? You know, you know, the whole, you know, team, or are you guys just going to set something up out there? So I bought a house in Florida. Um, a lot of the, the, the management team, you know, is moving to Florida. Um, there'll be some presence out here in California, um, we are rolling up a new warehouse there, um, just because Ivan is going there and, and there's going to be a presence there that, you know, Athena, you know, we thought about it a lot and Athena should be there. You know, if, if jungle boys is going to be there, we need to be there. Um, and we really want to get better at servicing the East coast, um, faster shipping time, more support. Um, the East coast is coming online. Mm -hmm. We've got a pretty good foothold on the West coast and we, we could always be doing better. Um, but we definitely need more support and, and, and more energy on the East coast. So yeah, we'll, we'll be out there in Florida, um, with Roach and all the boys. That's exciting news. I guess the last one for me, for you is, um, the remaining international events for Athena, you know, you guys just went to Spain. Do you have any more planned for this year for the team? Yeah, I think we're doing something in the UK pretty soon. Um, and I then, miss Spain. I was so mad. I heard. I, I was hurt, dude. I didn't. I, I didn't next, go either. Next yeah, time. I had. Time. I had my grandma's celebration of life, no. so I couldn't make it. Mm. All right. So yeah, we stayed. Yeah, we got to work. Now it's pretty cool to you know. I never really get asked a lot of questions, so you know. Let's kinda, do this more. Flip, yeah, flip yeah let's flip it yeah flip i'm it sitting more. there next time you're sitting here yeah. camera on you and i'm just gonna ask you your life story right, yeah no just <laughs> side profile you're gonna get the hot seat at the end yeah you guys are all we do kind of need a life story from you though because it's pretty epic mm. yeah you gave us a little touch of it but you need to really like go into it oh man i think it's dope let me go that deep yeah. ivan's is more interesting yeah so there's some specific questions from you for you jay that we got mm -hmm. on instagram um, which is, was just super cool. Um, uh, this is, uh, who are your top five cultivators that motivate you? So Roach and the jungle boys is definitely Stop. one. <laughs> no, coming up <laughs> on YouTube, teaching myself how to grow. Those guys were crushing it, you know, seeing yeah. burner and seeing just the whole, you know, the whole crew. So jungle boys is definitely one. Uh, Dylan is another Dylan and Max. Uh, Max was my first mentor, you know, getting on Instagram and seeing him crush. And, and spread information. So I kind of carried that torch, you know what I mean? And started um, passing on information to growers. All he told me was how clone tech and that meant the world to me. Now my clones are booming. Yeah. So Max was definitely my biggest influence. The only person I would call my mentor, um, Dylan. And then um, Dylan's consistency. Even if he has problems, he gets shit done. You know, he gets it in flower and he gets results. That's, you know, my motivation for Dylan. A couple more, what is that? Three or four? Yeah. Um, craft farmer most recently, you know, he's also on the Athena team. Now he teaches me how to navigate myself through this, like being confident and, uh, being myself and, you know, the whole cut the check mentality and all he's that. Got, like, craft farmer's <laughs> got more confidence than all of us put together. Oh, that's good. But he's I'm a typically savage. a quiet guy. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. rubs off on me. He takes it's me good. under his wing. He actually wants to fly me up 
to uh, Santa Rosa after gotcha. this, which I cannot. But um, so he's becoming a big inspiration. Um, uh, learning from him and then would just be my best friend uh, brett the chromatic cultivation he actually helped me get him on athena he grows fire you know in the basement and uh he kills it bro quality next level and it pushes me like damn bro i gotta gotta up my game you know um but those would be my biggest motivators but yeah definitely roach over here is one of them and it's funny everybody i named is on the athena team is under the that's umbrella crazy. every single person that's crazy so, that's mm -hmm. pretty cool mm -hmm. favorite strange you've ever grown my super booth that's super boof. It's crazy, bro. It just it's just a monster. Dude, test at thirty yields a ton. Where'd it come from? Uh, it came from my buddy out here in California that did a breeding, you know, a small breeding, and it got the name Super Boof because we didn't think it was gonna be anything good. <laughs> so we we're like, oh, it's gonna be boof, and it turned out to be good. We're like, bro, it's Super Boof. <laughs> kind of corny, um, but yeah, that's my favorite. It's so resilient, bro. You throw a truck at her and she'll go. What the? What was the cross? Uh, it's black cherry punch to Tropicana cookies, which not a lot of people like the trop turp. You know what I mean? Some people hit on the trap tier, but uh, she's got a unique profile for herself, you know, grapefruit, but just as far as growing, man, I mean, day 32, she looks like she's ready to cut down sometimes. Yeah, I've seen, uh, you stacked all the way. She stacked she's heavy. She's nuts. I got her to the king over here, so we'll see what he does with it. You got, you gave it to her? Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, no I had, way. I had to ask uh -oh. him, I was no like, way. what's <laughs> up with that, bro? Like, that no shit's stupid. Uh -oh. Yeah, when Dylan came out. I was asking him about it, you know, mm -hmm. and wow, I was like, oh, yeah. I'll talk to him, bro, you know? <laughs> so now too, like anything I find, like I'm doing a 60 plant hunt right now, anything I find, I'll send to the boys, man. You know Dude, what I mean? that's sick. Mm -hmm. yeah, I want to see what you guys could do. But they only want yeah. the best. So it's, you know, got to be vetted. It's got to test high and, you know, it's got to be the whole package. Check all the boxes as we say, right? Mm -hmm. and you Gotta guys have so much. I mean, what is it? 500 train library. It's yeah, incredible. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Talk about inspiration and motivation. Hard to keep up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tissue culture helps a lot with that, though. Yeah. Yeah, storage. Yeah. Like, immensely. That's yeah. like why we did it, you know, mainly. Put it here. Yeah, it's a huge benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can keep yeah, them like, stable for a long time in a Petri dish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Advice you would give a first-time cultivator? So, we kind of covered that. I think it's getting on Instagram, you know, yeah. exposing yourself to the industry correctly, not having your uncle teach you bad practice. You know what I mean? Getting on Instagram, exposing yourself and learning, finding genetics, not having to hunt everything from seed, get a consultation. It'll save you tons at the end. You think a thousand's a lot now, but I'm going to teach you a lot in that one hour of just how to irrigate your plants properly in your environment. So get on Instagram and that's when everything changed for me. So that's the best advice I could give. Yeah. And a lot of that shit, you know, like, you know, I don't want to pay a consultant to tell me how to irrigate my crop when you could just go on Instagram and get it for free, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. what you guys you know? provided. Yeah. Especially recently with that new updated irrigation strategy sheet. Mm -hmm. So simple and how you guys did that. Very professional. I love it. Yeah, we worked on that for what? Two it, months? Too long. Months. Dude, I we worked long. on, that. We worked I mean, on that, that chart for months. Yeah, Taylor was on my ass on that one. Like, <laughs> All right, you know. A lot of people need that yeah, visual. Yeah, no, we do. And, and, and that... To, to 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 go into it how we we all do things together that was done in a massive group text with all the facility advisors like you know i think we should make this small change here what do you think about wording it this way because it, it's kind of touchy how mm -hmm. you you know yeah to explain it without and you guys hit it on the head even with the core ecs and then yeah. just all the p1s p2s p3s you know it's very uh helpful for people out there just yeah. be able to go to the athena website and you know that thing's great yeah, it really Max, is great. Max did a lot of work on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it's funny we were working Axle. on that in the beginning of 21 i mean he was but we were yeah. collaborating with figuring out dry backs and yeah. dry downs and what to do in between and um so it's cool to see it come you know this far and be put out there now yeah really it's, cool it's funny because you know one instagram post about irrigation strategy you don't know the countless hours and months and not only the years of knowledge that went into that Crazy. one instagram and i'm post. always super cautious and you're giving like, it to him for free yeah you know what yeah. i mean i'm always super it to, you don't have to buy athena to get it it's on our website bro go yeah. go crush the biggest biggest false statement you've ever heard about athena the no terp stuff you know what I mean? Athena uh, cleanse kills terps and it creates a terpless product. I've seen plenty of fire Athena packs. The most fire. So, yeah. People are going to hate when you're on top, right? Yeah. If you guys weren't selling nutrients, nobody would hate on you. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't uh, be talked about too much. What was the biggest struggle to overcome? What was the biggest struggle to overcome uh, growing up to your career? Just finding the proper information again on how to grow, you know, having no mentor going into this, <laughs> trying to figure out what CalMag is, you know, going to the grow store, they put you on GH, don't even tell you what CalMag is. That was the hardest part for me to overcome. So I taught myself on Reddit and YouTube, you know, and then went on Instagram and then my whole life changed. You know, somebody on Reddit was like, if you're not on Instagram following breeders, you don't know what you're doing. So I got on Instagram and my whole life, you know, everything changed. I knew I had to have a sealed room. I didn't know what that was when I started. Yeah. You know, so that was the biggest thing for me to overcome is just finding the uh, proper knowledge. And I think weeding through the proper oh, there's knowledge. so <laughs> much fun. Yeah. Bro science, oh. especially you're on Reddit and everybody's telling you this stuff they do. And it's just like, oh my God, now you got to weed through that by yourself and then yeah. trial it. So it's just, it's just a pain in the ass. You got to use bat guano yeah. for sure. Uh, you need bat guano, definitely, you know, definitely. on Reddit. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's happening. And then I had to hunt everything from seed myself. So I didn't have no clones you know, so everything that's the best, seed though. And, that's the best, dude. And that's, that's what made it. my name like Seed Junkie would repost me, in house genetics would repost me, and then people wanted my genetics, they didn't have it. So then I started trading and started to become this crazy, this crazy thing that it is now. And now I'm here. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, when uh, we going back to weeding through the information, even when we first started talking, you know, I was like, I think you are you still using five gallon pots? No, we're in two gallon. You're in two gallon. Mm -hmm. But when we first started talking, you were on five gallon pots. You're adding a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. We won't go into details, but you're adding a bunch of stuff to the Athena line. And I kept telling you, hey, smaller pot, you know, cut it back just to the two part Athena Pro line. Don't add anything. You know, uh, monitor your irrigation strategy. Monitor EC in your in your in your cocoa, and and you'd kind of like, all right, cool, like, and it, it took. Uh, literally like six months before you did a full run i think of just pure athena because mm -hmm. there's just so much other information coming at you <laughs> well i'm also you know running a new product and i only have one shot this feeds my family you know and yeah. plenty of other people so i can't risk everything on a run even though you're telling me and i see you know that it works through other people i got to be careful on how i put it in my garden i respect and that. everybody has that in the back of their head no matter mm -hmm. no matter what if you don't but then, careless. Like, but then when I see the results and I'm a believer, things change. Yeah. You know, yeah. so now I believe, oh my God, we don't have to buy seven believe, bottles, bro. Believe nothing <laughs> of what you say and half of what you see, bro, you know. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. How's the two pot, who, how's the two gallon pots treating you compared to your fives? Well, I mean, it's all the same to me. You know yeah. what I mean? When we were hand watering, it's just basically mimicking a P1, P2, P3, big saturation, slow dry down to where in the morning we fully saturate again. Yeah. Um, so uh, going down to a two gallon, you know, we're running 4.3s and um, I don't see much of a difference in quality. You know what I mean? Um, we were pretty good at our hand watering tech. We dialed it in, uh, but you know, it's definitely nice not to have water every day, you know? What's a good strategy to pick the next new strain before the wave? <laughs> well, either you got to make it or you just hunt and find it. I don't know. That's a tough question. Tell them the future. I think OG is coming back. It is. OG is coming back. I mean, OG never left because real smokers really only smoke OG because it's the only thing. Like, at least for me, I never get tired of it. Right? A lot of these flavors and shit, you know, you smoke, go through a zip of it and you're like, yeah, give me some OG. Not even high. Yeah. Yeah. Give me some OG. Need some smacker. But I've been hearing that, that the OG's coming back, green bud's coming back. Yep. You know, a lot of people want purple gelato cookie gas, and if you ain't got it right now, you, you're not selling it. Make, yeah. make green bud great again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just talking to my boy yesterday, and he was just like, OG's, 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 and I was just like, okay. <laughs> uh, six months later, it'll be a back to perps. <laughs> purple OG. Purple yeah. always sell, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> uh, flavor profile with Athena, what to <clears throat> expect? I mean, what what your ge- genetics can provide. I mean, if you irrigate and, you know, he was talking about dry and cure your stuff properly, you're going to have no problems with your Athena. You know, you're going to come out having fire. And usually what we're seeing, too, with people testing Athena, like uh, Mitten Gardens, Steve, um, THC levels to the roof Yeah. with Athena. It's stupid. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Even turf percentage. Like, obviously, you want to dry your plants back and, you know, spike that stuff up at the end. But just seeing insanely high results, especially for Michigan out here. I've always heard, you know, a 30 here is like a 20 at home in Michigan. So if we're hitting 27s, 30s, you know, it's a big deal. And Athena's helping a lot of people do that. And our market is driven by THC percentage out there. Yep. So if you're hitting 22s, you're not selling your product right now. Which is so stupid. It's horrible, bro. And all these facilities want to grow dank and they can't. You know, like some of the bombest weed is like, you know, mid-20s, bro. You know? Take an extra hit. Flavor. I mean, you know, <laughs> hold it in longer. Yeah, it's not even necessarily that, you know, like all those terpenes work like in synergy with with that THC. So if there's different compounds mm-hmm. in it, yep. it, it affects everybody it's differently. All about that you whole know, plant, you don't go in profile. like I always use this analogy. It's like you know, going blue in the face saying it, but like you don't go into a liquor store and ask for the fucking Everclear. Uh-huh. You know, you don't want the highest fucking percentage alcohol in the liquor store. You want something that's enjoyable for yourself and fucking you enjoy to smoke it and, you know, gives you a good effect, whatever, right? It's like whatever you like, you know, yeah, don't, don't, don't go off the, don't go off the percentages, go off, go off the smell of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, you know, taste. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's the best it's all stuff about. we see is at like t- low twenties percents always. Yeah. Smacks. It's never the 32 GMOs or, yeah. you know, wedding cakes, which is dope, but, um, you know, those low 20s seem to be the ones with the terps that are, you yeah. know, people smoking on the street, so. Very well balanced. Yeah. Is the, Chris, is the reason why they're seeing such high THC percentages in, in, in terps with Athena because of the low nitrogen in bloom? Yeah. And the irrigation strategy, for sure. You know, this kind of goes back to how you're, how you're stressing the plant. What's the environment that you're putting it under and how do you control that stress? But definitely the, the nutrient profiles driving it. It's helping you, a lot. I hear a lot from Henry and, and some other people that it has to do with a lot of the high sulfates. Is that, you think that's true? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I think 
there's there's two things going on. You're going to get the sulfates instead of the nitrates in the system. And the nitrates that other people are keeping in there during bloom, uh, they're just kind of keeping the THC content a little bit lower. All right. Which, uh, uh, mobile, what's your irrigation strategy and veg look like? So it depends what I'm doing. I've done a pretty crazy tech with veg. Um, I ran a Rockwell room before and I would just run 24 seven light. I would literally just, it'd be like 70% water content. I'd let it go down to like 57 and just fill it back up again. Do the, the whole way. Super simple, crushed it. But for our normal strategies, um, feeding till runoff, like smaller plants and, um, you know, doing like 5%, 10% dry downs in between and then just doing like a 30% taper or a dry back overnight a P3. Um, pretty much just keeping it wetter. You know, that's how we do it. And then once we transition, you know, into the first three weeks, we'll do that 50, 60% dry back. We'll double it up and then we'll send those cues to them. And then, you know, once after our week three, we'll go back to kind of like that veg steer, you know, kind of like a hybrid of both. 50 to 60 of total, total field capacity. Yeah. So if I'm at 60%, I'll go down to 30 or 25. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Just reiterate it right yeah and yeah. that's that, that is that in line with what you guys are doing roach i mean we're running different you're running in cocoa so a little a little well, different yeah. yeah i've done you know rock wool rooms too and worked you know yeah. other places but personally at my personal spot yeah it's all rock yeah veg or, uh, cocoa excuse me five to five to ten percent drybacks right and we've done the same thing where uh we have the light on in the bedroom the entire time mm -hmm. right um only up until recently, we're kind of playing around with some more 18.6 because a lot of these buildings didn't have power to run all your lights, mm. right? Yeah. Because, you know, you're talking about a thousand lights in a building, you know, sure. to have those all on at one time, you need a hell of a lot of power, right? So we would be able to kind of conserve power by doing the uh, the gas lantern technique, which is basically one row on, one row off, one row on, one row off for 12-12, right? yep. yep. see a lot of people doing that now. Yeah, and it works fucking great. It's how we did, you know, but now everything's on drippers. You just have it, have to have it separated by zones. Mm -hmm. So like the indirect light, you just get like maybe one shot and then while lights are on, you get the majority of your feedings. Nice. This is a, a fun, funny one, but what, why are you only using five mLs of CalMag while others are using 10? Are people using 10 mLs of CalMag? The only person I've seen use 10 is Ganey Farmer. Yeah, you, but I think he went back to five. I'm not sure. I know you guys posted his feeding yeah. regimen, okay. and it was 10, which is like a one EC base of CalMag, which mm -hmm. is a lot. I found for me personally, my best is like 0 0.4, 0 0.5 EC base of CalMag. And I've talked to Walt about it, which is five mLs of Athena CalMag for me, mm -hmm. and Walt's using four. Um, so that's pretty similar, but yeah, five is my sweet spot. Yeah, five mLs. I mean, just follow the f the feed chart. If we find what works better, we'll change the feed chart. We, we promise. Walt actually just went to uh, Proline over there too. No, oh, way. Walt is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. He <laughs> said. Well, is you there know, a reason? I mean, uh, well, we're kind of moving away from Coco Moms a little bit. You know, like that. Uh, like yeah. more than half of that facility is Rockwell now. Mm. I got a friend that does all Rockwell Moms, yeah. super young, keeps yep. them healthy, yep. clean. Yep, just quick flips. Mm -hmm. um, these these few trials that we've been running, it's just insane how much faster you can get fucking genetics out and flavors out to, you know, like 40 days, you can get 100 cuts off of uh, Rockwell. Wow. How, how big a Rockwell are you mm -hmm. guys going? So, those ones that are going into Moms, we're going into a 6x6. Six so we're putting them into a six by six, like the old school way we used to do it, right? You don't have to be hella on top of the water to put them into a six by six. And then like basically like day 20, day 21, put them on top of a unislab and then just let them ride. 
And then nice. pretty much in three weeks, you kill them. They, they pretty much only get like six to seven weeks old. That's Eight good too. It, should, it shouldn't never go longer than a room. Mm. So you're constantly flipping them out. Boom, Fresh boom. That's, that's and better. it's Fresh fast. Yeah. It's fucking fast. And way cleaner. Yeah. You know, way cleaner. Because cocoa is becoming very difficult to get mm. with shipping. Right? It's yeah. always been hard to get. You know, there's always shortages of it. Interesting. Especially during replanting of, of large commercial spots, you know. Yeah. Filling up a big facility is not going to be easy to Mm-mm. get enough cocoa. Mm-mm. How big is Walt's room, lights-wise? 300 lights. Whew. Just fucking moms. moms. That's crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of moms. And he's close to you then? Yeah. Your facility? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we'll go. We'll we're go all down. with... Yeah, we're all within a few miles of each other. Okay. We'll go down after this and go see him. Cool. Yeah, let's go say what's up. What was your inspiration for getting into the cannabis world? Money. You know, I got... <laughs> <laughs> Honest man. I was working uh, in Wisconsin. I got fired for smoking weed, you know, and I came back home. So it was weed that got you in? Because if yeah. you didn't smoke weed, you wouldn't have probably started growing weed. No. no so yeah, it was I mean, weed. It was weed in the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I got fired for smoking and then went back home and I just seen what was going on in Michigan with the weed game. Actually, my little homie's name's Tyler. He uh, would put me on, take me to dispensaries and grows and whatever, right? He works for me now which is interesting um <laughs> but yeah just the money you know i mean for the family i was a pitch salesman things weren't working i started a t-shirt company i did all sorts of things yeah. but cannabis it was just like okay you know my dad was dating a, a lady and she had like uh, 272 lighters you know crushing it so i was like okay we need to get in this and she was like yo you need two five tons you need this you need this and i'm thinking you know five ten grand a time here here so we just started in a tent and then worked our way up bro that's awesome. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in the game so far? Four years. That's awesome. Right? Mm-hmm. Coming up quick. But I went crazy, yeah. bro. Like, <laughs> I lost a lot of friends, you know, relationships not going out, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, Respect. being a little crazy about it, you know? Yeah. You, I, I don't think you're, you might, I don't think, I don't know if you're as worse as I, as bad as me, but yeah, I'm pretty Probably nice. not. I'm pretty crazy. <laughs> um, do you only grow with LEDs? Mm-hmm now so no more hps well i started four years ago so yeah why would you know my first search was hps versus led and then i built my own leds and it was funny because i used to watch ivan you know trash leds you know what i mean and then you you know you told me you brought the idea of the clone light and the 645 to him and really pushed it on him and you know that clone light was like one of the best things i've ever seen like invention i've seen bro like that was so smart Thanks. Uh, but only LEDs. Yep. So I have a ton of knowledge on LEDs, you know, PPFD at every stage, what ECs you're feeding, etc. You know, I help Dylan with, you know, sometimes, you know, turning down the PPFD a little bit, seeing more quality and he's seeing that now, you know. Um, Towards the end? Yeah. Well, just in general, you know, we're seeing if you're pushing, especially like a pro line at 3.530 EC and you're running 12, 1300 uh, PPFD, like you're just really asking for butter, especially if you can't get down to 40%, 35% humidity and your dry room might be out of whack or whatever. I mean, it's very difficult. You know, if you're trying to hit that three and a half, four pounds of light, you're going to have tons of butter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with LEDs, especially. Yeah. I remember having that meeting with ivan were you there when we had that meeting with ivan and i was like dude we got to make leds i don't know we've been in a lot of meetings (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah dude i was i was pretty nervous about that just because i know how ivan felt about leds huh yeah i mean i think i remember the first post he's like all right (laughs) it happened (laughs) 
we like LEDs now, you know, because he was such a hater for so long. I mean, but uh, rightfully so. Fucking LEDs seven years ago sucked balls. They weren't working. Mm -hmm. You know, they were terrible. The claims were like this. They're like, throw away all of your other lights, use no wattage. And you're like, well, it sucks. Yeah. Well, they also had the wrong spectrum because the spectrum that they're using was that high red blurple spectrum. Mm -hmm. And what automatically it does is we learned, obviously, that it bleaches out the top of your nugs. Yeah. And so, you know, you have all these LEDs going out and everyone doesn't realize that it's just the high red spectrum. If they change the red spectrum to maybe like a 60% red, you know, 50-60% red, they'd be cool. But they had like 80% red, 90% red, red, and it just bleaches everything out. Where you need that partnership between the engineer, the developer, and the actual growers. Like this has to go back the other direction. You can't just look at a graph and go, yep, I made a light perfect for that graph. You have to actually grow with it and see what happens. Get the feedback. And grow at scale. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And several, several times. Bleach out out a lot of nugs. Yeah. Huh? No. We, we only did that once. Yeah, <laughs> no, a few times, I think. I'm really excited to see those reds. They're sick. The 80s and 90s. So sick. You sent me some. I'm still waiting on them, but uh, Max is really liking the You didn't get the them growth. yet? I did not. I hit up my new rep over there, so we'll see if I can get them in. I think I'm going to Get this guy some, some fucking LEDs, bro. Yeah, how many do you need? Uh, so I have a eight-light double deck I use for my veg. So that would be 16, 16. bars. That's what you sent me, 16. 16? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, remind, well, I'll send you some, uh, I think I have some prototypes here. And then you have the 80 and 90. I wasn't really sure what are the difference Go. between those two. I personally like the 80. What do you like, Roach? Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't, no, it doesn't matter. I, I like the 80 because... It doesn't you know, matter what I like, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, you know... <laughs> I think we all liked the 80 from the beginning. I mean, the 80 was the best. Yeah. 80's the best. The, 80, the ADR Lux 200 watt bar... It's personally my favorite. Because you guys were looking for a flower spectrum, and then you accidentally found that one, correct? Yeah, that was, we actually stumbled across that spectrum. Uh, nobody's ever made that spectrum before, and we were trying to achieve uh, 80% red, but the white and the green was inversed or something like that. And uh, we came up with that spectrum, which was easier to work under, but gave the same benefit um, it's the highest red you can go with uh, being able to work underneath the light and not seeing green spots every time. A CRI, you yeah, the color rendering index. So, yeah, yeah. But I like the '90s, dude. You okay. do, huh? Yeah, I do. Fuck it, you, you do. Know? You do. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew like you them. did. Yeah. Which is at least for like, at least for, I think every plant should touch that '90 before it goes into a room. Wow. Yeah, the '90s sick is just. I think that I think that every plant should touch that not, or. You know that ninety should touch every plant before it goes in. Really? What are you, you seeing? I don't know. I don't know if it's like. It seems like it's reducing the uh, the transplant shock. Like when you bring it into the room, you know, sometimes sure. you bring it from like a metal halide room or like a, a lower intensity veg into like a HPS room or uh, a high high intensity LED room. Sometimes you'll just get a little bit of that. You know, they're just not stoked in there. You put them in, they're just. They're praying from day one. That's amazing. Thicker stalks, more node sites. Because there was like knowledge that for like 4,000 Kelvin or bluer spectrum, you know, would be for veg. And you do the more yellow 3K spectrum. And you guys did the complete opposite. Yes. Yeah, we did opposite. 
Because I've seen 645s, which is, I think, 3800 Kelvin, Mm -hmm. killing my veg. Great. So that's my favorite veg light I've ever used personally. And I've used, you know, a few different brands. But so that's why I'm really excited to see the 80s or 90s. You're going to be. And then the whole room being red. You have an eight light double decker, so four and four? Yeah. Yeah. And then we have seven uh, on trays. So are our veg like 15? Get Roach is going to tell 90s. you to go 90. No, I not know. all of them. Get some. Just, just get like, you know, maybe get... Maybe get I'll, I'll, do, I'll just give you all 90s. Because I was going to do an upper deck with one, yeah. test yeah. it. Yeah, do, do that. Yeah. Upper, uh, yeah. If you have test a double it. deck, you should be using 90s. Okay. Because yeah. a 645 doesn't dim down, unfortunately, below 40. So that is an issue I'm having with my double deck. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Especially if you start getting plants that are foot away and you're in veg. It's like, fuck, I got to pound them with that 40%. What's, it, what's crazy about that red spectrum is it seems like the plants are able to get to peak PPFD sooner, and that's really what makes it mm. incredible. I mean, dude, we were like pushing like 650 PPFDs, like I think at like... A weekend. Like, like Yeah, but like off 400 watts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. And it's like Damn. 28 inches away from the fixture. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, 650 PPFD, like, you know, like... 28 inches 30 inches away you're like well with 400 what? watts with 400 watts it's game changing so i would say if you are uh in double deckers you don't really want to let them get a foot away from those lights yeah you will see some crazy shit yeah we have moms sometimes <laughs> underneath those but they'll take it oh yeah they'll oh yeah it. they for sure will uh, yeah. yeah i like to be around 400 ppfd is what i'm finding for me on an 18.6 i'm gonna do uh five of those bars over a couple moms thousand watts oh my gosh just over a mom see what happens <laughs> they'll I take i it. think it'll eat it all up dude yeah they'll you're take just gonna it. have to feed it higher yeah they'll take it i mean the ppfd yeah. is gonna be what two thousand it's gonna be ridiculous it's gonna be crazy cool brother i appreciate you making the trip out yeah of course thanks for inviting me yeah and roach i appreciate your time dude of i course, know bro. you're fucking slammed right now no, we're good. Yeah, thanks we're good. man you too you too chris i know you got a lot going on right now oh never I work with you. What do you? <laughs> how couldn't I have a million things going on? <laughs> nah, appreciate you guys, and uh, let's wrap it up. Let's do it. Boom. Thanks. Thanks, Jack. Yep.